Welcome to Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. Triple Threat Theater. However, I believe there is a more immediate threat. Thousands and thousands of feet of film consumed. Hours and hours of work expended by technicians. And once it's been erased and shredded, it can be done all over again. As all of you know, I've devoted much of my life to convincing the world that travel through film was not only possible, but necessary to survive. Back at it again, Triple Threat Theater, episode 38. I'm Joe Daxberger. And I'm Ryan Miller, keeping season four going strong. Season four, rolling right along. Mm-hmm. The pain train. <laughs> you call it the pain train because of the subject matter of this yeah. episode? Milzy, finders keepers, my true enemy, <laughs> my nemesis, found footage movies. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, you know, we have, you know, 200 odd, uh, you know, themes for episodes. And of course, mm-hmm. this one just... Couldn't sit there idly yeah. waiting for like five years. Nope. It, uh, it pops right up there. Yeah. You, you came up with it knowing full well the pain it would cause me. You know, I kn- I've, I've known that you aren't a fan of found footage, but mm. uh, like I don't think I was thinking about it when I created the, uh, the episode theme. Uh, how dare you lie to me in such a way? I honestly don't. Because like... <laughs> I had forgotten, if you recall, when we did uh, Under the Bridge, our troll movie episode, and we did Troll mm. Hunters, like, I had forgotten until, like, we started recording. Like, as we started recording, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. I I just made Dax watch a found footage movie, and he hates those. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so how was uh, this for you? <laughs> well, I think we touched on this during Under the Bridge, that I may have softened in my old age a bit, and... Trying not to be too much of a curmudgeon about it, you know, especially because of this thing of ours. And there's bound to be more, especially this episode or or others coming. So I can never confirm nor deny that there's any other found footage movies in any of our themes. I mean, there's a lot of them, so there might be. But this was like the one glaring instance for sure of of an entire episode themed around found footage. I mean, like you said, there's two two hundred odd something episodes. If you had a gun to my head right now, I could probably come up with like 25 of those. <laughs> yeah. So like there's a lot of mystery still abound there for me. So regardless. Yeah, found footage it just never been a thing I liked. Just as always been like a a glaring problem for me is like uh I feel like just the found footage aspect of a movie kind of like takes over. And it's it's something that always has to be like hearkened back to always. Well, by mm. its by design, it's not mm. subtle. <laughs> Absol- absolutely. I mean, and that just has never been a thing that's it well with me. You know, so funny, haha! I want to shit all over you know this episode <laughs> coming up because I was just like, of course, it's going to be this. But you know, I went into it with an open mind, Mills. So, had you seen any of the movies before? Uh, there was one. Okay. So we'll rattle them off. We've well, got, so the oh. idea here was, I think, 
like found footage, just to think of that as a genre, I feel like everybody's mind immediately goes to found footage horror because I would say that 96% of the found footage movies out there are horror films because it's just that's an easy format to do scare like jump scares in mm-hmm. because it's literally like the camera is a person and they round a corner and there's something right in your face like it's a it's like an easy way to do it plus you know the whole like going into night vision mode when things get dark and right all that kind of stuff yeah. um inevitably the video's going to cut out yeah you know battery's going to die it's going to get all scrambly at some point. And mm-hmm. so, you know, typically found footage feels like it was invented for and primarily only used by the horror genre. And so my idea with this episode is like, there's a ton of found footage horror on there and people love to shit on it. But my thing has always been like, I'm neither here nor there on found footage. Like I like some found footage movies, mm-hmm. uh, some I don't like, and I haven't seen most of them because most of them do just look like the bottom of the barrel shitty horror stuff that I'm right. not interested in just because it looks bad, not because of the found footage, but like, I've never been one to find out that something is found footage and then like write it off to any degree. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's still a lot of interesting things that could be done with found footage. But again, it's typically just relegated to low budget horror movies because that's another thing right. about it is it's easy. Like found footage is kind of supposed to look shitty by design as well. So it yeah. can be cheap. It's cheap. But even there's just like a, per, there's like a, they go out of their way to make it look worse than it could. Yeah. Just to push that idea even further. This is like an amateur thing that you're watching. Yes. And that's even like if it old. does have like somewhat high production value. Sure. Sure. Sure like uh, Cloverfield or something. but So mm-hmm. my idea here, I think, when I made this theme was, A, to torture you. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly truth, <laughs> uh, to try and look at some non-horror found footage, which, as I say, is rare. Mm. So so that leaves us yep. with 2012's Project Chronicle. No, I'm just kidding. It's just Chronicle. <laughs> Also 2012's Project X, mm-hmm. 2015's Project Almanac. Yes. I do wish Chronicle was Project Chronicle. <laughs> I know, it's just a weird coincidence. but yeah. Uh, So yeah, you basically have uh, almost like a superhero origin story, kind of. You have a version of like a high school, you know, sex comedy, in a manner mm-hmm. of speaking. And then you have, like, straight-up sci-fi time travel. Right. So vastly different. Yeah. Uh, And the thing that, you know, didn't really occur to me when I put these three movies together, but it's, like, painfully obvious watching them, one of the similarities being that it's all about high school-age kids. Mm -hmm. And it gets a little obnoxious after a while, Mm. (laughs) just like all of the high school drama stuff. But, uh, I mean, that just, again, it goes to show, I think, that this kind of movie is usually targeted towards a younger, more naive audience. Like, yeah. they aren't making, like, there, nobody has come along and made, like, uh, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson hasn't said, like, I'm going to make a, a found footage film, like, stylistically for adults or something. Like, right. That just hasn't happened. I kind of don't see it happening. It's It's not going to. Yeah. I'll tell you one found footage movie I'm okay with. This could be a surprise. Troll Hunter? All right, two. <laughs> Troll Hunter is a new one. At the time, 
regardless of what happens in the movie, I was not like bothered in the way I am other ones with paranormal activity. Paranormal activity. I like paranormal activity a lot. Honestly, the first one. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Me too. I don't. I I don't even remember what I saw from the sequels, but I liked that movie, and like that that found footage doesn't bother me. It's not even so much. It's it, it's not super like a factor for me. It's like how the footage is integrated. I think um, if anything that bothers me more than I than in some things where I appreciate it, like with Paranormal Activity, it's it's there. Like, it's set up, it makes sense, like, it fits into the whole thing, like, oh, you know, this... Well, yeah. They're trying to make it, like, a real thing. The whole idea in Paranormal Activity is, like, something unusual is happening to these this couple, and so the mm. husband decides to set up a camera to try and capture whatever it is and, like, document it. Whereas, a lot of the time, like, like just for example, Project Almanac is about a bunch of high school kids that have, like, they're trying to invent time travel, and then they do... And, like, they're using it. And mm-hmm. at some point, one of them is, like, record everything. And, like, I get it because it, the idea being, like, oh, this is, like, groundbreaking and no one's ever done this before and we want to document it as it's happening. But the degree to which someone always has a camera on everything yes. is a little much. Whereas in right. Paranormal Activity, for the most part, it works because, again, they're just trying to capture some kind of event that's happening in their Absolutely. home. Absolutely. What does, like, mess it up for me, this is always a thing that kind of bothers me in found footage movies, is they do it in one or two of the movies we're about to talk about, where, like, a character, like, they've recorded something, and then they're watching it back later on a computer, and they're, like, recording themselves watching something they recorded, Mm -hmm. just because you need it for, like, the exposition and the plot progression of the film. And they do that in Paranormal Activity as well, where, like, We've seen the footage because we're watching the actual footage of like whatever haunting thing happened. But then the next day when the couple wakes up and they're reviewing the footage, we have to watch them watching it. And that mm-hmm. like no one ever records themselves watching something unless it's like a, right. you know, reaction video to like this mm-hmm. new trailer that just dropped or something, which is obnoxious right. as well. Or but it's like it's set up for that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it works it, in paranormal activity because it's just it's the the home camera setup so like that i'm okay with but but like when you sit down like if that if paranormal activity happened to you and megan she could never listen to this episode now because that will traumatize her enough yes but like that situation happens in your your house with you and megan and then like you set up the camera that night you catch something on video the next day you like upload it to your laptop or whatever and you sit down and you watch it Mm-hmm. I don't think one of you would then stand there with a camera recording the screen that you're watching. Like, oh no, no, I th- I don't know <laughs> if you meant like one of like the stationary cameras catches that or not, like the the security camera type deal. If that's just happens to be on. No, still no, I'm talking about somebody actually oh, yeah. holding a camera and pointing oh, yeah, yeah. at the screen, yeah, showing no, the no, thing never. you already. <laughs> yeah, that ha- that happens for sure yeah. in these movies. So. Like yeah, so like I don't I'm I'm not like completely forgiving of everything about found footage either. Mm. Just uh, like there are things like that that I find like annoying and are nitpicks for me. But yeah. all told, I don't I don't know. I can I can get behind it. And like so, I had seen two of these three movies before. I had seen Chronicle and I'd seen Project Almanac. And mm. I always wanted to see Project X and just never had until now. But was curious just to see you know. 
especially with Project X, because it's not there's not like a sci-fi element like Chronicle or Project Almanac mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason I wanted to see it originally when it was in theaters, because I remember watching the trailer and it does kind of just look like, hey, it's like a crazy party. But then in the trailer, they would show that shot of a guy with a flamethrower. And without having the context for why that's happening in the movie, I remember thinking like it's called Project X, which is like a weird name. And there's a guy with a flamethrower like, I think there's something more to this movie than just a party. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's that's why I always wanted to see it and then just never did until now. But Interesting. I saw Chronicle in the theater. I remember that. Mm-hmm. I was aware of Project X being like a house party movie. Yeah. But that was it. I'm not sure if I ever saw a single clip or knew who was in it or anything. I had no knowledge of anything that happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say I heard of Project Almanac, but I don't think so. I don't know if I ever saw a trailer, wasn't familiar with the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have just been like one of those things like, have you ever heard of a movie Project Almanac? I would have been like, sure. I don't know what it's about. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm aware so, something with that name exists. Right. Which there's plenty of that for me. Yeah, that was one where I remember seeing the trailer for it and thinking, oh, this looks really interesting, while most people were probably saying, ugh, another found footage movie. I mean, flat out, that, you know, again, I don't remember seeing it at all, but if I did, if there was, I mean, this was 2015, I could almost be sure if I saw anything to do with that, and as soon as... It was apparent it was found footage. I would have like stopped watching the trailer or something. <laughs> it's been like that for me. Yeah. A so. thing with found footage, I feel like if I try to like really get into nitty gritty of what bothers me, it's probably like what I can think of right now, it's like two parts. It's totally like what you've already mentioned with like the recording themselves or just like these scenarios where people would never have a camera on or <laughs> use it at that point. Like that stuff. It always jumps out to me and it bugs me. And then there's like a whole kind of, you know, like any like film movie fan, like you like good cinematography. And I feel like when it's a found footage movie, they've just, they ball up cinematography and they just kick it out the front door. I mean, I agree with you to an extent, but then I also do think, and again, there's terrible found footage movies. And I think that there's pretty good ones. I think to an extent there is a craft to doing a found footage movie that looks kind of believably like amateur and handheld mm-hmm. and made by people who don't know what they're doing, but mm-hmm. also manages to capture what needs to be captured whilst not looking too manufactured. And I mm. think that that, you know, there's something to be said about that. That is a form of cinematography. And I think that you probably, since the camera's flailing around so much in a lot of found footage scenarios i think that sometimes you could even imagine that more would go into the planning and like the preparation for a shot in a found mm-hmm. footage movie than in a regular film where i'm i'm not trying to say that you know yeah, any not- any regularly made film doesn't a lot of work doesn't go into that stuff because 100% it does but just like there's a lot more like choreography, I think, to a lot of found footage movies, considering they're typically like action adventure, sci-fi mm-hmm. kind of horror stuff where like things are happening, people are running around. Well, that bit of it just annoys the shit out of me so much that I'm not even sure I can go down that route. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I think, there, you know, it, it, it may be an aesthetic that you don't like. 
And yes. there's nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly fine. But yeah, I do think that there is a fair amount of craft that goes into making a good one. Okay, um, I'll give you that. I just don't know if I've ever seen one of those. Not even maybe like, Troll Hunter. I was gonna say like you you liked Troll Hunter. I'd uh, say Troll Hunter. I mean that are 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 you like uh, not burying the lead on this entire oh, no, episode? No. Then yeah, because that's. <laughs> I mean, I can certainly tonight will have no problem like like speaking of these movies and then like touching on the found footage aspect of it. So yeah, I'm definitely not uh, burying the lead there. <laughs> I think one of these movies looks better than the other two for sure mm-hmm. when it comes to that like what you're getting at the craft of a of a found footage film. Okay. So, well, uh, let's begin on our way of finding out which one that is by mm. tackling our first movie. What do you say? Let's do it. So Chronicle and Project X both came out in 2012 within a month of one another, but Chronicle mm-hmm. did come first on February 3rd, 2012. So let's begin with Chronicle. Please. They can't stop because it's not too late for us It to is go. too late. I'm when? done. It's over. You treated me like shit! You left me alone! Andrew, you're not alone up here! I'm here with you! I should have been with you all along, but I'm here now, and we can stop this right now, you and me! Andrew, we can just fly away! We can get out of here! We can be family! Andrew! Andrew, look at yourself! This isn't who you are! What?! I'm an apex predator. So, classically, (laughs) Brian and I went to see this in the theater. Uh, I was looking forward to it. I thought it looked really cool. Um, I'm not sure if I would have known who Dane DeHaan was yet at this point, but I am a fan of him as an actor. Probably got to be the first thing I ever saw Michael B. Jordan in. Okay. At the time, you know, didn't know who Max Landis was, didn't know who Josh Trank was. This was all, like, new to me. Saw this in the theater and was so fucking pumped and jazzed about this movie. Like, I was into it the whole time. I thought it was so interesting and, like, the concept and the mystery of it was really cool and the, like, progression of events and everything. Like, not even really taking into account, I think, the found footage aspect of it. Like, in my mind as I was watching it that first time, I think I was just like, this is found footage. Okay, now I'm just paying attention to what's going on in the movie. Mm -hmm. And then I just remember feeling like it was an awesome experience for me. I loved it anyway. And then, like, the cherry on top was, like, who are these filmmakers and how do they know what would make me happy so well that the uh, main character spends the final action sequence of the movie wearing a Nostromo shirt from Alien? (laughs) And just, I remember leaving the theater being so fucking hyped about it and just loving it. Uh Uh And then as the like minutes talking to Brian and the days talking to other people and the months and the years went on learning that I was like the only person who loved that movie. Mm. And then to continue my history with it, uh, bought it on Blu-ray and proceeded to not watch it for eight years. Oh. Uh, So I had only seen it once. And then earlier this year, I decided to, just for the hell of it, like go through my Blu-ray catalog and rewatch some of the movies that like I really liked 
but and I owned, but I had only seen like once or hadn't seen in a long time. And so Chronicle mm-hmm. was one of them. And on that second watch a couple of months ago, as of this recording, uh, it dropped hard from a five to a three for me. Oh, interesting. Like rewatching it the second time eight years mm-hmm. later, I was just like, oh, I mean, it's still got some cool ideas and I like the actors in general, but the the CG is not very good. And it's just it's not that revelatory experience I had the third time. Mm-hmm. But to bring the story to a close, it's now only been a couple months since I last watched it. And I was kind of like, mm, could I could I get by recording a review with Dax without rewatching it since I did just see it? Because I like wasn't that excited to watch it again since I didn't have a great experience with it this last time. But I went ahead and watched it again this week, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've leveled out. It's still not a five like it used to be, but uh, I mean, we don't do star ratings on the show, but for the sake of the story, I think I'd give it a four now. Interesting. Like, I came back around on it a little bit, and I enjoyed Rebounded it a lot a this bit. time. Yeah. For me, like I said, I remember it just, you know, the trailer to this movie and everything. I don't know how salty I was about found footage back in 2012. <laughs> yeah. But I can remember, like, you know, seeing that trailer. I mean, it had a good trailer, you know. Um, I can remember just, like, an excitement level for that, for seeing it. I mean, I can say, Millsy, I don't know how I felt about found footage before this movie, but I sure know how I felt about found footage after this movie. <laughs> was this the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back? I would say absolutely 100%. <laughs> I I don't remember who I saw this with. I mean, if I had to guess, it'd be friends of the show, Tony and Joel. I just felt, I mean, at that point, I don't know if I had seen The Wire already, which uh, Michael B. Jordan was in. Mm, I have I never seen f- The Wire. I wasn't sure if I was familiar with Dane DeHaan either. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could have been all new for me. Michael B. Jordan's the only like question mark there. Because I mean, even if I'd already seen The Wire, would I have known it was him? I don't know. I can just remember, I can remember either walking out the theater or after seeing this movie and just feeling like there's a chance I could have liked this movie so much better if it hadn't been like so beholden to being found footage. Mm. Like I don't, this is not a movie to me that feels like it, anything is added to it by being found footage. It just feels like, like a, a crutch almost like it was a, a just a trick. To like make it look more exciting as it is, I don't know at the time. If I had to put money on it, I would say that it was. If it was a crutch, it was in as much as the only way they could afford to do this movie, being like the low budget film by unknown filmmakers, mm-hmm. was to do it cheap and do it found footage so that it could look cheap. Mm. Would be my guess, but I mean, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I have any idea about enough of the backgrounds and stuff to know like what costs what especially when you you know because this does not the i don't think the effects hold up very well do you have any recollection of what you thought of the effects themselves like the telekinetic powers because i don't remember having any issue with them when i first saw it but yeah after close to a decade yeah some of the stuff looks pretty bad i think there's a couple bits early on where they're like juggling the legos and stuff that doesn't look half bad yeah, that looks like pretty fake to me. Like the Legos themselves don't look fake or anything, but just it doesn't look convincing that they're controlling them, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean that could just be like the the wavy hand business. I don't know. Um 
you know, this movie spends zero time explaining how any of this works or mm-hmm. who, what, when, why, or how. They show you the how, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I, just, I mean just more like the actual on-screen part of like those little, couple little times where they're, you know, playing with stuff in the air. It doesn't look bad, but I think as soon as like they start flying or some of the bigger things happen, it just, it just definitely looks computer generated so yeah yeah, i don't think it holds up i don't remember at the time i don't know if it's really just like hating of the found footage part of it that sullied me to the whole thing but this one feels definitely especially and rewatching it now so current feeling it's just it's so noticeable when it's like showing things that don't need to be shown that are like forcing there to be a camera in a situation it's just like you know, this a couple times like Dane DeHaan just like looks into the camera for no reason. It's just, it's just, it's just like cor- kind of corny to me, kind of cheesy. It just again this time around felt like why did this have to be? Regardless of like the money aspect, like you mentioned, which for the time could have been the sole reason. It just feels it was still felt me, felt to me like could this be better if it was just more conventionally shot? Yeah, I think oddly. As much as I, you know, once upon a time loved the movie, like, wholeheartedly, every Mm -hmm. aspect of it, I more so think the other way around, like, if you took away the found footage, is there enough here that this needed to be a movie? Like, it almost feels like the found footage is a integral element to this movie existing, because it's like, we've seen how many goddamn, like, superpower, superhero origin stories, and... I mean, the actual concept here about, you know, a group of friends and they get superpowers and then one of them turns evil and then the former friends have to fight one another. Like, it's nothing new or groundbreaking. And I think that the thing that does set it apart for me is that it is found footage. It's like the found footage version of it where it's like a little more down to earth and nobody ever wears like a spandex costume or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you take away the found footage, I don't know, it it feels like as is, this isn't really noteworthy in any way. Mm. I mean, maybe, I don't, yeah, I, could be, I don't, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if it not being found footage makes it any better, but would I have just, like, had less for me to, like, roll my eyes at? For sure, for me. Because mm-hmm. it's it's just so it will always go back to found footage with me. It was always just like the time spent to make sure, like even like throwaway lines of dialogue about someone mentioning that you have your camera on or t- turn your camera off and just have fun. It's like stuff like that just oh, will always bother me. <laughs> it's just always gonna bother me. Yeah, it's like I notice that stuff and I I understand the reason it's there, but it it, it really does not bother me at all when it happens it's like it's like i understand going into a found footage movie that that comes with the territory Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know i just hate that territory yeah i mean i get it yeah it's just like like i know people who are like you know it's it's like a stereotype online um kind of a trope that you know people hate animals dying in a movie especially dogs and like there's a whole website called like does the dog die that like Mm. It's kind of like um, it, it like warns you it, like if you if you know there's a dog in a movie, like if you see it in a trailer, you can look up the movie to see if the dog survives because there are people who like refuse to watch a movie and it like ruins a movie for them if the dog dies. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, 
I don't fully understand that because it's like that's one element of a movie. Right. And like you're saying, you can't enjoy the rest of the film if a dog dies as part of the plot or something like that. And mm-hmm. I think the same way for me, like allowing something like that to ruin a movie experience for you, like the the mention of the fact that they have a camera, it's like hard for me to wrap my head around because it's just like part of the movie for me. I guess like for me, it would be like if 17 to 20 dogs died in a movie. <laughs> if it's, I mean, if it's just one time, yeah, who cares? But if it's just... It always feels like it has to be shoehorned in. And Chronicle, mm-hmm. I will say this, Chronicle feels like the, out of the three, I think that was the most glaring use of that out of these three movies. That's just constant, you know, mentionings of the camera or making sure there's a camera around or mm-hmm. why is the camera on right now type of thing. Well, again, I think for me, like from my viewpoint, it it comes part and parcel with like, if this were real. Like, which it's trying to show a degree of realism. Mm-hmm. And you were always walking around with a camera, then, and this is like not even like cell phone camera. This is like he's walking around with an actual like video recorder kind of camera. Mm-hmm. People would probably ask you all the time, like, why you have a camera. And people who are around you all the time and are like sick of it would probably be like, why don't you put the camera down? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, it's like it does feel like they like the filmmakers feel like they have to have that, but it's like that is kind of somehow adding to the realism. Like it's unrealistic that somebody would be walking around with a camera all the time. Mm-hmm. But if somebody was realistically, I feel like they would get asked that question a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I just know it's like when it's movie time, I don't want to the constant reminders of it was it was just one of those things for me. Hmm. I mean, minus the found footage of it, just go back to the story. I mean, you know, the bones of it are good. You mm-hmm. know, three for, three like f- kind of even like weary friends. You know, Michael B. Jordan is like the new, the new member of this little group, and it feels like uh, the whole group's kind of new, like because it it really feels like uh, even though they're cousins and like mm-hmm. I think it's Matt drives uh andrew dane dehan's character to school every day it's like then they're not hanging out or anything it's this thing that happens to them that brings them together so it's almost like the entire group is newly formed or something yeah maybe a little bit but at least there was no like family connection but anyway yeah so just that whole basis i mean it's kind of like uh Maybe it's, it could be a thing with like X-Men movies in particular where it's like they show powers being used and sometimes it's effective, sometimes it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- you know, there's a bit of that here for me, too. I mean, I don't know. They they, they show kind of like it's kind of like force powers, I guess, really. It's telekinesis, essentially. Yeah, I mean, um, with a little, it's a little more Dre flying. powers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the invisible like woman, a... even because she can move things and she creates mm-hmm. like force fields around herself. Yeah, they talk a little bit about that in this, but uh, I mean, I think the best stuff in this movie is that second act stretch where they now have powers and they're toying around with them and learning how to use them. And like when they fly for the first time, and then they're like up in the clouds and just imagining the way it's presented, like, man, it would, how cool would it be to do this, you know, or mm-hmm. when they go to the store and they fuck with people because they can, cause they have these powers and they're like testing the limits of what they can do. Like, I, th- I think all that stuff is the most fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's kind of like the stuff you want to see in this kind of movie. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's always it's always like the training montage part. You know. Yeah, exactly. So. And then, I mean, I do think that just in general, like I said before, the story is kind of like not the most original and it's kind of well-worn territory. And so it feels like, I mean, obviously Dane DeHaan's character has some issues and like Mm -hmm. familial problems and things from the beginning, but uh, it does feel like everything comes to a head very quickly and uh, conveniently in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, like even though I just rewatched it a couple of months ago, uh, rewatching it this time, I'm like sitting there watching and he's like in the hospital at the end. And I forget that I forgot that like it goes straight from the hospital to the climax and then the movie's over. Like, right. It's a pretty short movie. I think it's only like 85 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a short one. But then, you know, the final confrontation where they're flying around and like a bus gets thrown at somebody and everything like mm-hmm. those are the parts that there's a lot of special effects on display and mm-hmm. all that stuff back to back to back it's like none of it looks great and no i think that's why i enjoy the middle bit where there's like a little mm-hmm. bit of power is being used here and there more than the ending because it i don't know it doesn't fully land yeah there's a couple Good. Sh- I'll give it this movie a couple good shots back to like the kind of cinematography part is when uh, Dave DeHaan like gets that truck to go off the road, which I think is a shot from the trailer. Mm-hmm. I like I liked that. I mean, I liked it originally. And I liked it now. I think it's just like it's like a good shot. It's, it, that was like a good bit of the found footage aspect for me, just because like that angle was so perfect for it. Just overall, it looked good to me. Mm-hmm. And um, even like the the. The throwing of the bus and getting hit by the bus, I thought, looked, this time around, I was like, oh, <laughs> that looked better than I remembered. Not so much, like, CG quality, but just, like, the yeah more of the cinematography aspect of it. Something that I think is kind of cool about this movie, uh, and it helps with the found footage tropes a little bit, is, you know, typically found footage movie, either the camera is sitting stationary on a tripod or on a surface, mm-hmm. or somebody is carrying it. But because they have telekinetic powers, Dane DeHaan, who is the one filming the majority of the time, you know, starts controlling the camera with his telekinesis. So it gives them the ability to have different and interesting camera angles you wouldn't normally have in a found footage film, which I think helps towards the end. And even the idea, you know, he's obsessed with, you know, chronicling everything, as the title would tell Mm -hmm. you. And even right from the beginning, like he is like, I'm filming everything from now on, Dad. It's like, that's the reason I'm, I, you're right. going to be watching all this because I've decided that my home life sucks so much I'm filming everything, mm-hmm. whether that makes sense or not. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the movie, when everybody's filming him with like their cell phones and he uses his telekinesis to like rip the cell phones out of everyone's hand and he's got like cameras floating all around him so you can cut to different angles and aspect ratios and things. And mm-hmm. it definitely changes things up a bit. And it's something you don't get out of most found footage movies that I thought was Oh, yeah, for cool. sure. I mean, I'll, I'll give it that because, especially like you said, once he starts like floating a camera behind him as he's going about, like I do, that helped it for me for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I mean, the the climax is fine. I think uh, I, don't know, I still think, regardless if it was normally shot or found footage, it probably would have looked the same as it does, like quality wise, when it comes to twenty twelve hmm. yeah. CGI. But again, on a budget of twelve million. Which is yeah. not, you know, setting the world on fire these days. Oh, not at all. Or even those days, probably ten years ago. Yeah. 
Yeah, so as I say, $12 million budget uh, made 126.6 in the box office. I was going to say, yeah, I feel like I remember this making quite a bit of dough. Yeah, so which when I read that, I was like, how did they not make a sequel to this? And then I did a little more reading, and uh, apparently the studio wanted a sequel, and Max Landis like started coming up with ideas, and apparently Josh Trank, who, you know, has gone on to have a career of being kind of tough to work with and a bit of a jerk in Hollywood. And, you know, he made that heinous fantastic four movie after this. Right. And he was supposed to direct one of the star Wars movies and leftover like creative differences or something. And he apparently, from what I read, like stonewalled Max Landis and like stopped him from having meetings with the studio because he didn't want there to be a sequel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird because I feel like they leave it open for a sequel, but... No, they definitely do. Yeah. I'm sure at the time I would have been elated to have another one of these films, but <laughs> in retrospect, I think it's it makes a fine little, like, one-off. Yeah, I think it's better like, off. Just What else did it really need to say? Yeah, because what do you do in a sequel besides, like, someone else finds a rock cave that they get powers from? Speaking and... of which, that is something that I actually do really like about this movie, how vague that is. Like, Oh, yeah. They get their powers from like they hear like a weird noise in a field and they go down in like a cave and there's some crazy looking glowy rock thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just like they don't explain it at all. They try going back there at one point, but the cave is like all walled up and Mm -hmm. there's like some cops there telling them they got to leave. And I do just love that uh, that like sci fi mystery element. Oh, yeah. Like, where did it come from? Was it, like, yeah. from outer space? Who the hell knows? Mm-hmm. Like, what was it doing there? Why did yeah. it give them powers? That that ambiguity is, like, I'm always a big fan of that, too. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, if it, if they do explain it, it could either go one of two ways, good or bad. So, yeah. Or you just leave it out completely. Probably best left alone. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm totally fine with that part. I, remember, I can remember liking that bit of it. You know, liking different things throughout, which is just always that itch of the found footage that would bother me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I do think this is probably the first thing I saw Dane DeHaan in, and I am a fan of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I like him in pretty much everything I've seen him in. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, God, just right from the beginning, super charismatic in this movie. Yeah, big time. Super likable. I bet Millsy, he deserved better than getting hit by lightning off screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's out of the movie earlier than I always remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot that that happened to him this time around. Yeah, the main. Well, I don't. I don't know if you'd call him the main guy. Dane DeHaan's probably the main guy, but like the hero, the good guy, the generic mm-hmm. one, the one who lives the extremely generic one. Yes. Yeah, easily the weakest link of the three. Yeah, big time. Apparently, uh, what's his name? He's in Project X. Uh, He's he is the only name actor in Project X. Not not this guy. The person who they were considering for the role, uh, Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Apparently, he like tried out for this movie, and oh. uh, that would have been a good like trio to have the three of them: Michael B. Jordan, oh, sure. Dane DeHaan, and him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that character Matt in the movie is pretty bland. I'm yeah, not, I'm should. not too surprised that we haven't seen you know a whole lot more from him. No, it should have been Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I was kind of surprised they took him out. Mm-hmm. You know, but who knows? Uh, I never would have guessed this. Filmed primarily in Cape Town, South Africa. Oh, 
hill. Yeah, and they <laughs> uh, because they drive on the other side of the road down there, they had to have cars with the steering wheel on the left-hand side shipped to Cape Town for all the driving scenes. Can you imagine that's somehow cheaper? I know. that I hear things like that, and I'm like, that's insane. But yeah, yeah I don't know. What? I get a tax breaks or something, I guess. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's weird. Wow. Uh Josh Trank referenced uh, Akira unsurprisingly, Carrie also unsurprisingly, and The Fury as influences for this film. Mm. Okay. Makes sense. Uh fun fact. I mean, the- I I wish we got some body horror like Akira. No, that would have been fun. Oh yeah. I mean, I love me some body horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking well, speaking of body horror, I guess uh, one of the changes they made from the script because they wanted to keep it PG thirteen is you know the scene where Dane DeHaan uh, there's that spider crawling along and then he uses yes. the the power to like rip the arms off of the spider or the legs. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that scene was intended to foreshadow the fact that he was going to rip all of his father's limbs off just like that. <laughs> oh. Uh, but then again, they decided no, this is PG thirteen, so we can't do that. Mm, that's a bummer. Uh, fun fact: the pink haired girl that Dane DeHaan makes out with at the party is his real life wife. Oh, oh. And uh, the last little tidbit I have about this one is that uh, this film was on the blacklist in twenty ten. Oh, okay, like the. What is it, like most hyped scripts or something? Uh, An annual survey of the quote-unquote most liked motion picture screenplays not yet yet produced. So not necessarily stuff that it's like no one would ever make this, but like scripts that have been floating around Hollywood and Mm -hmm. producers have been reading them. And it's like a a poll that this one guy does of producers just to see what they like the most that hasn't been made. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, other films from that list in the same year, 2010, were Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, boy. Which we recently watched. Oh, uh, American Hustle. Okay. Argo, Best Picture winner. Oh, all right. Edge of Tomorrow. Aha. Looper. Oh, come on. And Triple Nine. Do you remember that movie? Not sure. That, it just came out, like, last year or something. It was the uh, the Netflix movie with uh, Ben Affleck and, uh, like, a whole bunch of name oh, people are in it. Tri- Triple Frontier? Oh, no. What am I thinking of? Oh, no. Triple Nine. That is an even more generic movie with, uh, <laughs> gosh, um, The Falcon. Anthony Mackie? Yeah, Anthony Mackie. That's another movie, actually, that has, like, a ton of people in it. Um, and it's about like triple nine bank robbers or something. Uh huh. I wanted to see this. It's super triple generic. <laughs> Casey Affleck, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Aaron Paul, Woody Harrelson, Kate Winslet, Gal Gadot, Norman Reedus. Oh boy. Clifton Collins Jr. The aforementioned Anthony Mackie. Cops and robbers, Mills. You know I always want to watch. Yeah, uh, I did watch that though, and uh, despite all the people in it, it was very forgettable. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Good to know. Let me write that down. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we can do a trio of Triple Nine, Triple Frontier, and there's got to be another one. Yeah. All right. It's the Triple Threat Theater Triple episode. Oh, oh boy. Triple, triple. I can't write this fast enough. <laughs> triple Nine. But yeah, so uh, I don't know. Chronicle, like I say, I, I can't. It's funny how rapidly I've like come back around on the movie because yeah if it wasn't for 
this episode randomly coming up thanks to the random number generator when it did. Mm -hmm. After not watching the movie for close to a decade, rewatching it this year and being disappointed by it the second time, who knows if or when I ever would have watched it again. (laughs) Right. So it's like we kind of saved it from movie jail for me. Mm. And like I'm I'm back on the positive with it. So this couldn't have been farther into movie jail for me. <laughs> uh so did a rewatch help at all or uh I will say it did. Okay. Just probably with my overall softening of my distaste for found footage. <laughs> yeah. You big teddy bear. I mean I can't I can't tell if I'm like over the top about how much I dislike found footage or not. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I feel like most people have a general dislike and disdain for it, but it yeah. definitely feels like you're cranked up a few notches on it. But yeah, okay. I mean, to each their own. There's there's shit that I don't like. There's yeah, shit mean, that everybody doesn't like. It, you know, found footage just happens to be one of your. It's just that the, it'll, it it'll just touchy you know, spots. Like, like I said, it's just a, it's that itch, and it's just like oh, it's just there. It's like a hangnail. <laughs> the found footage yeah. itch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, moving on to our second film. Oh, please. Uh, From March 2nd, 2012, we have Project X. Rob, hey. Hey, what can I do for you, man? Man, I don't mean to be a dick here or anything. Uh, Your friend Oliver came over earlier and told me you guys were having a little party, but this is too much. Okay, yeah, uh, we actually should be winding down like midnight. I mean, maybe one. Is that okay? No, man, it's not. I'm sorry. The baby can't sleep, okay. and Melinda's got to be up early for work. Fuck tomorrow. yeah, my boy Rob is here to rage. Oh, Good okay. to see you, brother. Yeah, actually, you know what? But I'm not raging. I'm actually just telling Thomas that it's time to shut it down. You can't be serious. This is a great party. What the fuck? I am serious because it's 11:30 at night, and it's time to wrap it hey, up. Hey, 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 hey! Why don't we just bring everyone to the back? Lower the volume up. Guys, this isn't a request, all right? The party's over. I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree then, aren't we? Dude, listen to me. Thomas, either shut it down or I'm calling the cops. Uh, Fine, fuck it. I'm calling the fucking cops. No! You punch your kid in the face, I'm calling the cops on your ass now. Do it, genius. It's all on tape. I just saw this motherfucker recorded right here. All I got was you punching that little child's face. Fuck you. Go home, Robert. As I mentioned, uh, I really wanted to see this because of the marketing, uh, Mm -hmm. which didn't necessarily insinuate that there was something else, like something sci-fi or weird going on in the film, but... Just Mm -hmm. that title and the shot of the guy standing on a car with a flamethrower felt to me like this isn't just a movie about a party. Like (laughs) there's something else to this. And I I really Uh, intrigued. And I think at the time, like I think I was probably trying to convince Brian to go see the movie with me and he had no interest. So I just never got Mm -hmm. around to seeing it. (laughs) Mm. I wonder, I mean, it's, it's probably a vastly different experience if you don't know. There's a guy with a flamethrower at the end. Did like you know? Me? No. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, all I could think of. Like, you know, it had been forever since I even thought about this movie. But mm-hmm. all I could think was, I know there's going to be a guy with a flamethrower. And admittedly, in the first 15 minutes of the movie, they end up going to the drug dealer's house, who they mention has like a bunch of guns. So immediately, I was like, obviously, they're gonna mm-hmm. he they're gonna piss him off, and he's gonna come after them with a flamethrower later, which is exactly what happens. Yeah. 
I'll come out and say it just because it's the point of this episode. I'm pretty much fine with the, the footage in this one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Probably because maybe like 90% of it comes from the one weirdo cameraman named Dax, of all things. <laughs> so I guess kind of like that single camera aspect of it where it's it's just not, there's not too much illusion when this one to me of that there's a camera around and people have to like, you know, do anything for it kind of thing. I mean, there's certainly bits of that, but it just, I mean, it still does the thing that all of these movies do where like, uh, there's a bit of story that you need where like Mm -hmm. two characters go off to talk like quietly to themselves, but someone's still hovering just outside the door. Without them. And it's like, this would never really happen. Yeah. They'd see him and be like, Hey, stop filming and close the door or something. But there's like a couple shots of like creep cam through a door where it's like, yeah, that that's just here. Cause this is a movie, but yeah. It's not. It was not as like uh, offending to me, you know. Just overall. Yeah. Well, I have some fun trivia about Ooh. the way this film was shot, which we'll save. I'll tease that for a few minutes. But let's just oh, talk okay. about the actual like premise and mm. what this movie is like. Unlike what I thought, there's no sci-fi element or fantasy element to it at all. <laughs> uh-huh. Premise of this movie is that. There's three friends because it feels like there always have to be three friends. Always, always. So in the first movie, you have like loner, uh, generic, handsome white guy and black guy. Mm -hmm. This one, you have generic white guy who uh, completely obnoxious (laughs) jerk Mm -hmm. asshole white Mm -hmm. guy and fat friend who doesn't talk much. (laughs) I mean. I think you could even like break it down. It's being the same for both where you got straight man, you got over the top person, straight man, weirdo. And both (laughs) of these movies have that. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could probably say that. And so generic main guy, uh, his name is Thomas. Uh, It's going to be his 18th birthday. Uh, I don't remember. Am I? I was going to say 17. There's there's seniors in high school, so it could be. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's probably 18, but maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, they're like, they're kind of the losers. Nobody pays attention to them, even though mm-hmm. they're seniors. And they want to be cool, and they want to, like, date the hot girls, and they want to be right. friends with the cool guys, and they want to not get picked on. So uh, they decide that uh, main character's parents are going away, and they live in a very much, like, suburban neighborhood. Very. It's actually filmed at the Warner Ranch and uh, directly across the street from the main character's house is Murtaugh's house from all the Lethal Weapon movies. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I'm not even familiar with the Warner Ranch. Is this like a town? Uh, it's kind of like it, um, a couple city, blo- a couple town blocks or something. Yeah, it's like a, a fake city street with like yeah. actual real functioning houses, but it's only mm-hmm. used to film movies on. Right. But is it, you think, well, I mean, more is it like a, a big town? You think, or is it probably like a I think it's probably just a street. If I had to guess, I don't know for sure, but like, uh, you know, um, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, they talk about the Spawn Ranch where they used to film Mm -hmm. Westerns. It was basically just a street of a Western town that they could use and like change the decorations slightly so it doesn't always look exactly the same. I imagine this is the same thing. I don't know for sure, but it can't be that big. Because they filmed this movie primarily at night over the course of five weeks, and the cops got called on them because of noise complaints from nearby residents. So, 
Mm, uh, there are people living like re- reasonably close to this, you know, <laughs> fake film street. <laughs> All right. But uh, so kids' parents are going away for the weekend and they decide that they're going to throw a party. And uh, the really obnoxious friend wants yeah. it to be like the party to end all parties so people will think they're cool. Yeah, and like the outlandish womanizer of the group is sure he's going to like yeah. meet girls. Have and sex with every girl at the party yeah. and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and while no girl pays attention to him ever. Yeah. So uh, he basically sends out like an email blast and runs an ad on the radio without the main character mm-hmm. knowing. And uh, Craigslist. It, yeah, it ends up that like somewhere around 2,000 people, I think, are supposed to have shown up to this party. And it just gets completely out of hand. And the cops get called and it turns into like a riot. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's basically just, hey, let's see if we can show the most unbelievably insane, crazy party ever committed to film. Mm. It seems to be the, the basic premise behind this movie. I think that's the premise. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if that's. It is the wildest party. I don't. I would say no, it's not. But uh, they certainly go for it. I mean, the wildest party for like a house party in like a suburban neighborhood, maybe. Because obviously, there's like giant raves and shit that are wild. Sure, sure. But, I mean, this movie does end with a guy with a flamethrower torching the street and like <laughs> cops in riot gear shooting rubber bullets at people. Yeah. And... Maybe I'm the odd man. I mean, you tell me, Millsy. That so this movie, like it, it's like. You know, they start to slowly ramp up the crazy. I think it's not until like, you know, nine, ten o'clock that night until like lots of people start showing up. And mm-hmm. then, you know, uh, out of nowhere, guy we just mentioned, Miles Teller, you know, they happen to run in him at the store and he shows up with a party bus full of people. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it starts to ramp up, but it's kind of like, I don't know, this movie to me felt like, you know, when you see some movies where like think of like, uh, I don't know, the hangover or something where there's like those out like outlandish bits you would never expect. Like there's a tiger in there or, you know, oh, this guy's tooth is missing. You know, this movie like never really gets to that point until the end when then all of a sudden I'm sitting here watching like, okay, it's, you know, it's a pretty big party. The the biggest part to me is like, yeah, they tried to put one little person in the stove, <clears throat> broke a bunch of windows, and there's probably like a thousand people there. Well, they sent a dog up in the air on some balloons. and We've all done that, Bill. <laughs> That's not that crazy. The dog does not die. Don't but, don't worry. You yeah. can watch Project yeah. X. <laughs> it's not on that website. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then like, kind of, so me sitting here watching, then I was like, all of a sudden, before you know it, the street has been torched by the guy in the protective heat suit with a flamethrower you know and like all hell breaks loose the rubber bullets are flying like you said i mean the thing that i like the hardest thing for me to suspend my disbelief on in this movie is like so uh before the party gets started the two friends of the main character go like door to door to the houses right around where the party is going to be taking place and Mm -hmm. the main like coop i think is his name or whatever he acts or costa is his name costa yeah uh he acts really charming and like compliments all the housewives that he talks to and everything Mm -hmm. and like the guy across the street with the baby and he's like hey i just want to let you know we're going to be throwing a party there might be Mm -hmm. a little bit of noise like you know just wanted to let you know as a courtesy and it's like Okay, the party gets going. They have a fucking DJ blasting music and like mm-hmm. hundreds of people in the backyard just like making noise and dancing around and like flashing lights and everything. A, where are all the cars on that street? 
mm-hmm. of all those people were there and like where'd the fucking party bus go that miles teller brought um <laughs> like miles like they <laughs> this is so millsy what's the parking situation miles teller claims he like when they run into him and he's like oh i can't come i'm going to a party tonight and they're like oh we're throwing that party and he's like oh really cool i'll bring all the booze like Miles Teller didn't bring enough booze for two thousand people yeah, to get plastered that, like for an that entire night. That was actually night. like I did make note of that too. Like that was kind of like a stupid part to have in there. Like, well, that's just them covering their bases. It's like plausible deniability that somebody with a lot of money claims he's bringing all the booze, so you can just say that's where all the booze came from, I even guess, though it doesn't make like, sense. No, and you don't see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't show it, and it's like even then, it's like once the movie's like rolling, it's like I'm not really in, in thinking like all these people. They show so many people showing up with booze, like that's enough. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, like you don't have to say like the one movie star showing up with booze. Like, I why just would think he the say- number of people that are there? There had to be some kind of explanation. Otherwise, I mean, it's ridiculous anyway. But it would just like not make sense at all. But yeah, the thing, the real thing for me is party is fucking bumping, mm-hmm. and there's a scene where the guy from across the street who had the baby that they mm-hmm. went and talked to beforehand. He comes over and he's like, hey guys, uh, it's too loud. It's almost midnight. You've got to shut this thing down. Like he, it's after 11 o'clock when he comes over. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you guys don't like shut it down, it's too loud, I'll call the cops. And then they like kind of find a backwards ass way to keep him from calling the cops because they get him on camera punching a kid. <laughs> and then they tase him. And, th- and so they're like, if you call the cops, we'll show them the footage of you punching a kid, which is like, okay, I get it. Again, this is plausible deniability to keep the guy from calling the cops right away. And then the cops do get called, but then like the, the party quiets down for a couple minutes and then the cops leave. How did cops not come out in force hours before they actually do? Yeah. Because like only the guy across the street complains about the noise. Like I know they went next door to either side mm-hmm. of the house and told the people there like, Hey, there's going to be some noise. Right. We just want to let you know as a courtesy, but as much noise and as many people as there were and shit getting broken and just people screaming and shit. Like I, that's the hardest thing for me to believe that the cops don't show up really until the end of the night when shit's about to completely go crazy. Yeah. That party in the neighborhood like that would have been shut down so fast. Yeah, I mean, the cops would have done a drive-by at, like, a half hour into that if yeah. people aren't showing to us. I mean, maybe part of, I guess, some of my issue with the movie is, like, tonally it kind of feels weird because it's, like, it tries to come off just like a regular party and you're talking about, like, the plausible deniabilities and stuff. Like, I wish it was crazier throughout than just in the last, like, 12 minutes. Me personally. Well, like, what else... I mean, it's got to ramp up, right? Uh, it can't just be like uh, continuously insane the whole time. And I mean, the thing is, like, for me, I am totally the kind of person, like, personality wise, as the main character of the movie, where like <laughs> I, mm-hmm. he's like trying to keep a handle on everything. And like, mm-hmm. at first, he's like, nobody in the house. And then when people get into the house, he's like, nobody upstairs. And like, he's trying, like, you know, he's concerned about, like, oh, well, I don't want to get in trouble. And we have to make sure we're able to clean all this up in time. And, so, like, right. it was enough anxiety for me watching the movie, just understanding his <laughs> point of view and being like, 
just like waiting for that point of no return where like, oh, nope, there's no coming back from this, which for uh-huh. me as a viewer happened far before the point in the movie where the kid is actually like, uh. this is it. It's too far. We can't do anything about this anymore. Like, so <laughs> like, I don't feel like the party needed uh. to be crazy because in my yeah. like, just, you know, sheltered mm-hmm. live like small town, middle of nowhere, nerd, nebbish kind of person point mm-hmm. of view. That shit got crazy real quick anyway. (laughs) And like by the end, it's just like completely batshit insane, like made up movie crazy. But it was like that party was fucking crazy much earlier (laughs) to me than it sounds like it was to you. (laughs) Because I'm thinking about the just our our backgrounds. But I was like, I want more crazy. I'm thinking about the like because of the way that it's set up, the quote unquote like real outcome that's going to come from this crazy party. Mm-hmm. And it's like that kid's gonna be in like so much trouble, and the house is gonna be trashed even before they start breaking windows and driving the car into the pool. And right. I was yeah, just sitting I mean, there thinking, just... as everybody's outside, like, okay, so they don't let anybody inside at first, but there's like 500 people dancing in the backyard, and it's mm-hmm. like they got the pool out there, and people are getting in and out of the pool, and people are surely spilling drinks and stuff. Like, the yard is going to be trashed. Like, there's going to be nothing but dirt from all the people jumping around out there. Like, you can't hide that from the parents when they get back, even if they never went in the house. Like, Yeah. That's why, I mean, for me, it's like, you're suspending all disbelief anyways, because it's like, to me, like, almost like this movie, like, can't be as realistic as it was trying to be for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just... Yeah, I would be the other friend where you're like worrying about like the, the main character. I don't know if I would necessarily be exactly the the Costa, but with watching the movie or just, you know, other kinds of things like the hangover or bachelor party or something. It's like, you know, because it's a movie about a big party, like it it only got super crazy to me at the end. Throughout the thing, I was like, oh, there's a lot of people there. But you know, a lot of not like let you say it like, oh, there's a lot of people there. Like yeah. We're talking about a suburban home with a fenced-in right. backyard, where like most of the yard is a pool. Like, yeah, but they just, claim just there's like it's... two thousand people there. Like, that's not just a lot of people, Dax. That's like I know, but an it's, unbelievable a... amount of people. <laughs> but because it's a movie, like I wanted more. Like I know if like this was my neighbor's house and there was two thousand people, I'd be like, oh, like this is the end of the world. But because it's a movie, I just you know I'd rather. As they're, you know, the boot, the. I mean, the movie ends with a guy with a flamethrower torching the street, but the house completely fucking collapses. I mean, the cars in the pool. uh, Like, how much crazier did it need to get? I don't know. Well, I'm not even saying it had to get crazier than after. I just feel like up till that point, like it didn't fit for me. Like, all of a sudden, there's guys in flamethrowers showing up where it was just like a giant party. I don't know. I would have, you know, as he's going through the crowd with the camera, it would have been fun to see, like, oh, there just happens to be like, I don't know a giraffe or a zebra in the background you know somebody from the circus showed up i don't know crazier (laughs) crazier movie stuff to me you know i don't know man i gotta be honest i'm a little glad (laughs) that we weren't friends in our like formative like college party going days because i think you might have uh given me some real long-lasting trauma oh yeah yeah for sure i mean i've been (laughs) to some i don't say i was a crazy party animal i've been to some wild parties but you just said uh, you wanted a fucking giraffe to show up from the carnival. <laughs> yeah, just because it's the movie. Like, if this is a movie about, you know, firsthand experience of, like, the craziest party, I guess I was just, ex- you know, I was expecting a little more, Millsy. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, who? how is a giraffe going to end up there? 
that doesn't matter you know like that's what i mean i don't need to know this kind of movie like i think there's a world where a crazier party could have happened if it was like like i don't know like if the movie tommy boy like if tommy was gonna throw a party at his dad's like Mm -hmm. giant palatial mansion and like Uh they have money because like they're you know they have the fucking car part factory or whatever and it's like I can imagine a party getting like crazier and ridiculous and over the top there, but it's like for the, the house in the place that they're having it, like, I don't know. It seemed plenty crazy to me, I guess. Yeah. It's no, it wasn't for me. Like, you know, like you've seen old school. I have, but I couldn't tell you much of anything about it aside from Will Ferrell gets shot with a dart. (laughs) You know, there's a giant house party during that. And like Snoop Dogg shows up in his tour bus. Like, I want more of that. I want more like, outlandish this one well, was they had just miles like, teller yeah i mean that which was good because i liked like every you know 13 minutes you just see like a shot of miles teller of the <laughs> crowd doing something which was pretty funny but here's the thing about miles teller like while i was watching the movie and he showed up i didn't know he was in it and i was like oh that's weird miles teller and they're acting like oh man he's like hey, look it's miles teller like they knew who he was mm-hmm but then they mentioned like he played baseball or whatever. And I'm like, what are they what are they talking about? Was he in like a baseball movie? So I looked him up. Uh, Miles Teller, before Project X came out in 2012, uh, he had been in the remake of Footloose the year before. There's a remake of Footloose? Yeah. Okay. He had been in that in 2011. And he had been in some movie I've never heard of called Rabbit Hole. And one episode of a TV show called The Unusuals. Everything else he had done before that was short films. So I'm like thinking to myself, what the how would they even know who Miles Teller is? Like nowadays, yes, Miles Teller has been in like a bunch of things. And he's about to be in Top Gun 2 whenever the hell that gets released. Thank you, COVID. But like I feel like his kind of breakout movie was The Spectacular Now, which was like a coming of age, like romantic drama that came out the year after project X. And then he goes on to do whiplash two years later. And then he was in the divergent movies. And then he was in fantastic four and whatever else. But like, what a weird thing for him to be like, Oh, the guy they're starstruck by, but like who, who the fuck was he in 2012? Nobody would have known who he was. Like exactly right. It's so weird, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It makes, it makes sense now, but yeah, 2012. So I looked him up on Wikipedia because I was like, okay, they mentioned baseball. Do I just not know that Miles Teller was like a professional baseball player before he became an actor (laughs) or something? And Uh he was on like a semi-pro baseball team of some kind or something and like was potentially going to go pro maybe before he became an actor. But again, like who the hell knew that? It's just a very wow. weird thing that he would be. It, it'd be like if they had Jonah Hill show up in the movie, but the movie came out the year before Superbad. Like, who the fuck was he before Superbad? Like, yeah, right. It's just, I don't. I just thought that was very unusual because I doubt anybody yeah. watching the movie actually knew who the fuck Miles Teller was. <laughs> Dude, I agree completely. That I'm actually kind of blown away by that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me why he would be in there. I was just thinking to myself, okay, what was the movie that? kids of that age would be like oh look it's miles teller but nothing up until that point as far as i'm concerned unless they were big fans of the 2011 remake of footloose i mean could it have been even though i mean he's not even i haven't seen the movie but he's like fourth build here so he's not even like a main character jeez i don't think i had any idea that was a movie yeah 
Oh boy. Dennis okay. Quaid's All in right. it. <laughs> All right, Project X. All right. But yeah, so I don't know. This movie I did find it uh I, I was like gripped by it at times because again, my like, you know, lizard brain took over and was just <laughs> like uh these guys are taking this too far. They're gonna get so yelled at by their parents. <laughs> like Mm-hmm. It was like a little bit anxiety inducing for me, not not to any serious degree where like it was at all right. times so over the top that yeah. like it didn't really feel real. But, um, you know, there's some funny parts. I like the two like really small kids that they hire to be their security yes. guards. That there's a couple po- that I mean, there's like this is 2012. So there's certainly some cringy stuff in this. Oh yes. But there's there's definitely a couple laughs. One one big laugh for me was when like all of a sudden like the weird 12-year-old security guard was in that guy's house across the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like I laughed out loud. I was like that was pretty good. You know, as I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, I bet Dax loves these two characters. <laughs> Well, yeah, dude. When you first see him, he's got nunchucks. I was uh-huh. like, oh, this is my man. I'd be 100% hiring these kids for security as well, too. And he fucking tases was, the next door neighbor. Oh, man. It was fun at the end. He's like, well, what about the money? He's like, "It's like the house is destroyed. You guys are the worst security ever. <laughs> and the kid's just like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, yeah. When he's in, in, in the house, what he says, I'm, and he starts flashing the flashlight through the window. Like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely laughs for me. Quite a bit. I get the whole like anxiety part for sure because you know they play that part up. But I think overall, it's just it felt it felt more normalish to me until then. All of a sudden, it's <laughs> guy with the flamethrower. Like, what life up, have like, you lived before I met you that that party <laughs> seemed normal until the flamethrower showed up? Like, man, I I need I to see so some of the, you know, flip phone camera footage from some of the crazy parties you went to back exactly, in the day. Not exactly normal. I'd just be like, the, besides the amount of people, like, nothing that crazy happens. How can you say besides the amount of people? Because the sheer amount of people in the backyard crazy, of a suburban yes. house is fucking insane. Yeah, but... But once you're past that, it's like what I'm actually seeing on screen. There's nothing like that crazy to me until the guy with the flamethrower. And then it just feels like that was like out. I think you and I just have different descriptions of crazy when it comes to like a quote unquote realistic scenario, like throwing a party in a quiet neighborhood. Yes. But yes, we will leave it at that. Yeah. I I don't think we're ever going to be able to reconcile this. (laughs) But um. Yeah, so, okay, so I have a whole bunch of anecdotes. There's a plethora of information about this one out there. I'm ready. So this movie is produced by uh, Todd Phillips, who Mm -hmm. recently made the Joker movie, among other things. He he refers to the entire movie as an experiment. Mm. Because I guess the idea was uh, him and some other producer friends were just talking about, like, crazy parties that they went to when they were younger. And he wanted to see if he could, like, capture the feeling of just, like, the craziest party on Earth. And Mm -hmm. so they hired a guy, uh, the director, forgive me, I'm going to try my best here, uh, Nima Norizade. Uh, He was mainly a director of music videos and commercials. And he did some Adidas commercials that were quote unquote party themed, and that's what they hired him based on. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yes, yes. <clears throat> this movie uh, just got a whole nother star rating on my letterbox. <laughs> so to try and make it feel like they didn't want a bunch of stars because they wanted it to feel like as 
realistic as possible, so they wanted a bunch of unknowns. They did a nationwide open casting call where they had a website set up, and all you had to do to potentially be cast in the movie was go on and post a video of yourself either dancing or telling an embarrassing story about yourself. Interesting. And based on that, they got the majority of the cast and extras. Uh, the main guy, Thomas, had been in, I think, one movie before. And because he had already been in a movie, even though it was something called It's Kind of a Funny Story that like no one's ever heard of, they like told him straight up, like, we don't want you in the movie because you've been in something else. And he had to audition seven times before they were finally like, okay, wow. you can be the main character. I liked him, too. Yeah, I thought he was good. And I did see him. He was in Kong Skull Island. Yeah, he's been in so a couple he, things. His name he is, did look familiar to me. His name is Thomas, Thomas Mann. And that's the that's another thing is like pretty much all the characters in the movie, their first names are the same as their actual yeah. first names because right. they're just all a bunch of unknowns. Yeah. And there was a character named Dax, and that was his real first name. I was like, whoa. It's not his real name. That's his YouTube well, handle. Well, but we'll talk oh, more about him in a minute. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so YouTube handle. Thomas Mann, who's the main character, has since been in, as you said, Kong Skull Island, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Oh. Uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, which is like a, another coming of age, like romantic drama that I've seen, and it's pretty good. Amityville The Awakening and The Highwaymen on Netflix. But so pretty much everybody else was just no name, nobody, non actors, or like first time actors for the most part. And so they filmed, as I said, for five weeks, primarily at night, just like staging a party. And mm -hmm. in order, to, because they had so many background actors just to make the party look like it's crowded and full of people, mm -hmm. that uh, they hired a DJ from New York, I forget his name, and they basically had the DJ just play music nonstop all night for like the general party scenes when they weren't doing something like driving a car into a pool or whatever, <laughs> because like they had scenes that like a couple of characters would be acting out, but then in the background you just needed people dancing. And since they were just like a bunch of nobodies who were getting paid like a pittance to be there and dance, uh, they literally had a dance party going all night. Mm -hmm. So like they would cut the shot. And as far as all the people in the background knew, they were just having a fucking party. Oh, like how crazy right. is that? That that's how they filmed the movie. They just that's had a, a good... nonstop party with a DJ and the drinks flowing like constantly. And then you would just like look over and there'd be some people filming with a camera in the corner. <laughs> like that's a good that was a good idea. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, the vast majority of the footage in the movie is supposed to be from the point of view of the cameraman Dax, like you mentioned. But in order to have like other insert shots and stuff as though, you know, people go to a party like that, they're going to take pictures and videos and all. They handed out Blackberries and iPhones to random extras and just told mm -hmm. them, just, you know, film whatever. <laughs> and That's so cool. right. <laughs> that resulted in the director and the, uh, the cinematographer having to sit and watch 10 hours of just nonsensical oh bullshit filmed by a bunch <laughs> of drunk people partying all night just yes. to find like the couple of bits that they felt were okay and they could use. Hey, it really was like an experiment, Mills. Yeah. I, I think that's a pretty cool way to go about it, though. Yeah. Oh, I dig that. Um, but yeah, the, the director, I read a thing where he was saying like, yeah, people would forget to stop the recording and would put the camera in their pocket and we would just be sitting there for 10 minutes watching nothing. And <laughs> That's funny. So like a bunch of the random shots in the movie are just things that random people actually filmed 
one of them that's kind of cringy is, you know, there's that one shot of a girl who's like squatting, peeing next oh, to like a car. Yeah. That was real? That was actually a girl squatting and peeing and somebody just filmed it on like the iPhone that the director had given them and they used it in the movie. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. I mean, she signed the, she signed a contract, I'm sure. But... <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. I thought that was really interesting, though, just the way yeah. that they filmed it. So Dax, the guy that you mentioned, uh, he goes by Dax Flame. Uh, that is his YouTube handle. Oh. Yeah, he does. Uh, I forget what his real name is. It's, you know, you know, Dax Flame is like a cool name, but then his real name is something like really lame sounding. <laughs> <laughs> At the time in 2012 when this movie was made, or probably in 2011, Dax Flame was the 16th most subscribed YouTuber on YouTube. Huh. Since the movie came out, his career has fallen off, and as of March of this year, he now works at a sushi restaurant in L.A. Oh. So things didn't work out so well for your boy Dax. Mm. No, I guess not. I did think it was funny when the... When you know, because you don't see him for a little while, and then you finally see him in the mirror, and I was like, mm, "That's not what I expected a guy named Dax to look like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. The guy who played Cooper, the like obnoxious friend, uh, he, Costa, Costa. His sorry, his real name is Cooper, <laughs> uh, something okay. Cooper. Uh huh. He was nominated for two awards at the MTV Movie Awards that year. Oh, best comedic performance. And best on-screen dirtbag. <laughs> That's a fucking category at the MTV Movie Awards. I like it. He did not win either, but he definitely oh. deserved at least the second one. Who beat him up for dirtbag? I don't know. I didn't think to look. Oh, I wish yeah. I had, though. Be a follow-up episode. Project X was the most pirated film of 2012. Nice. With an estimated 8,720,000 download, illegal downloads. Oh. You must have been one of those, right? No, like I said, I never saw this oh, until this show. This is my first time seeing it. Uh, I mean, at that point in time, I you know was primed to be one of those 8 million people. But uh, mm-hmm, in this case, mm-hmm. I can honestly say it was not. Okay, fair enough. Uh, the title of the film, Project X, was a like a stand-in because they didn't have a name at first. But then the name sounding so mysterious garnered so much like intrigue and interest from people in the industry and like people reading the trade papers that they were like, you know what? That's a better title than anything we've been able to come up with. So they just threw a random line in the movie where one of the characters says mm. Project X and they just kept that right. title. Okay. And I mean, it kind of worked on me because though I never saw it until now, like I said, I was extremely intrigued by the movie partially because <laughs> of the title. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which led me to believe it was something other than what it is. I love it. So this movie actually inspired some real-life copycat parties. Oh, here we go. A couple of which I'm sure you must have gone to. Because uh-huh. I didn't know Rubbing you were such a party. my hands together. Here, here we go. So based on what I was reading, no less than eight massive parties with names inspired by the movie, typically Project and then something else. <laughs> Mm-hmm. occurred over the like four or five years after the film in several cases when the police spoke to the people who threw the parties they name dropped the movie as an influence mm-hmm. uh, some of these parties as you can imagine didn't go so well uh, most of them were held in abandoned or foreclosed homes so that yes. they could actually destroy the houses like the one yes. got destroyed in the movie 
the first of these parties took place just like a week after the movie came out and it was shut down by police after a few hours and the high schooler who threw the party was then offered a summer internship at Gawker Media, (laughs) the parent company of such websites as Deadspin, Gizmodo, and Kotaku. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Another party was halted and uh, somebody was charged $19,000 in criminal damages. Mm-hmm. One of these parties resulted in the death of one of the attendees. What? Because when the police showed up, this person panicked and pulled out a gun and started shooting and killed someone. Of course. Yeah. Uh, there are more stories like this that you can read on the Wikipedia page for the movie. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, some crazy shit happened at some of these. And one of them. Not crazy enough, Mills. Well, one of them resulted in <laughs> allegedly over a million dollars in damages to oh. the property it took place on. So I hope that's crazy. Now enough we're for talking, you. Mills. Yeah. It just, just hope I don't win the lottery at any point. I mean, I've always hoped you won the lottery in the past yeah. because you've always said things like, "Yeah, we'll do this and we'll go here and we'll hang yeah. out." And right. but now I'm not. But now so it's sure. going to be like tractor trailers and Union Bridge coming to your house full of cars. <laughs> I mean, at least I have a bigger yard than the kid in the movie did. That's true. A sequel was planned. Uh, It was announced like four days after the movie came out because it was also a pretty big success. Uh, $12 million budget, just like Chronicle. uh, Box office of $102.7 million. Wow. Okay. But uh, the last time there's been any movement on a sequel was in 2015, and nothing has been heard since. I can't help but wonder if the real-life parties that resulted Mm. and all of the crimes that were committed had something to do with them not making another one. You'd almost think it had to, right? I mean, it it must have. I mean, if the movie was this successful, I'm a little surprised they didn't make another, but... Mm -hmm. Milzy, if this was my movie, you would have, first of all, a more circus animals, <clears throat> and B that car would have been in the pool within like the first half hour of that party. I mean, where do you go from there? You got to build up to something. Well, that's what I mean. That's not much of a build, and that's that. For me, that was no build, and then you just got flamethrower guy. I don't know, man. I think there was a pretty big build. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more and more and more fucking people started showing up throughout the night. But that's it. That's it. That's it. That's not, that's, that's not I mean, that it starts in the backyard, and then, like, the people get into the house, and the house starts getting trashed, and then they're tasing the next-door neighbor. Well, that was security. That was different. But it's just, like, a lot of people showing up, sure. But, you know, there's no one, like, you know, it's no uh, weird science party. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's no rocket coming through the... The the first floor uh, parlor, you know what I'm saying? But is, wouldn't that be considered like the climax of that party? <laughs> you know, no one painted the kitchen blue in this one. You know, that's my kind of that's painting my level of the crazy, kitchen Nosey. blue is like more insane to you than that quantity of people <laughs> destroying the house in many different ways. Like, yeah, there weren't that many different ways though. That would be the one skater guy went through the window. I'm not talking about individual events like, oh, we watch a guy going through a window. Just that many people disrespecting that that family's house. I'm just talking about. The dog was pink by the end of the movie, Dex. A midget was running around punching everybody in the balls. Yeah, but that's just like such a little bit. I mean, I'm talking about individual things. There just wasn't there wasn't enough crazy for me, Mills. Man, you think you know a guy. I'm just saying. Starting to scare me a little bit. (laughs) 
<laughs> if I go watch crazy crazy party movie, like I want crazy. I don't know. I find it hard Flame to imagine crazy, a party but... much crazier than this one. But are you are you trying to tell me this is the if you could imagine a crazy party movie, this is what you'd put in it? Well, again, I think it's contextual that this movie it's it's supposed to feel real, like along with the. Uh, the found footage okay. aspect again, like if you took a movie that's just like a completely bonkers comedy, like like I said earlier, Tommy Boy or something like a party that would take place in that universe or Dumb and Dumber or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine as a visual gag, like, oh, look, a zebra just ran through the living room. But like this, this <laughs> yeah. is like yeah. portraying itself as at least in the beginning, like a realistic party like this could yeah. have actually happened. And the one thing that truly goes over the top is a guy that shows up with a flamethrower, yeah. which they have to build in earlier in the plot just so it can happen and be like the end all be all crazy thing that happens. But up until then, it's like it I think it was so anxiety inducing for me and so crazy in my mind because this was like a real party going crazy mm-hmm. versus like a fake movie party where like right you know any ridiculous thing that a screenwriter can write would happen does that make sense well yes because it's almost like i almost feel like you're almost agreeing with me because it's the flamethrower part doesn't fit with the rest of it which maybe is more my issue it's like the button on the end of everything that like sets it completely over the top because everything else like could and probably has happened at a person's party but then the flamethrower was like the final nail in the coffin that was like, okay, this is when it becomes the craziest party ever, or whatever. But mm, I don't know. I don't know. I think they they uh, they went they went too high at that point. <laughs> they they <laughs> so started talking they about wanting giraffes, did... and now you think a guy with a flamethrower is too far? Because it just wasn't it wasn't crazy enough throughout. It's either you portray a first person view of like the wildest party that could happen versus. You know, the movie party that is just completely out of control. I want one or the other. I don't want a movie that tries to be both, which I think ultimately is my feeling on this. Hmm. I would disagree because, like I say, I think that, you know, they the final nail in the coffin is Guy with the Flamethrower. It could have been any number of things, but they went with Guy with the Flamethrower. And it's like that's why that is like the thing that finally puts an end to the party because it's gone too far to be realistic. And... That is when the party officially comes to an end, and I think that makes sense. I, I don't know. I think we have to put this topic to bed because <laughs> no, I want this episode to go on for three more hours. I mean, it's it's we're on track to that, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, all right, listeners, all right. write in and tell us who you agree with here. <laughs> Was the party crazy enough or not? Uh. Do you have anything else to say about Project oh, X no, that no, doesn't no. directly relate to the level of craziness of the party? No, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on to our third film, then? Please. All right. From 2015, we have Project Almanac. So why are you guys watching a plane crash? Because I think it's our fault. Why would a plane crash be our fault? Sarah Nathan's dad was the pilot. So what? Look, whatever we did at Lollapalooza had some crazy ripple effects. Wait, wait, are you saying that Lollapalooza caused a plane crash? Because that sounds crazy, dude. I'm not crazy, okay? It's cause and effect. 
Somehow we caused the basketball team to not make the playoffs. Our captain, Justin Kelly, he broke his leg on March 1st, right? We all know that never happened. Then the basketball team didn't make the playoffs, and that affected the players, their parents, hundreds of people who were supposed to be at the game, and it just kept spreading. Sarah Nathan's brother, he was on the team, right? Yeah. Her dad was supposed to be at the game. He wasn't supposed to be flying that night. David, look. Dude, there's other shit too. Robberies, fires, none of this happened before. At some point, we're not gonna be able to track this, David. If we don't stop this now, it could just keep going out of control. David, we have to fix this. Look, Lollapalooza was a mistake. We have to go back and make it so that we never jump there in the first place. No, 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 right. no, 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 no. We that's the only way. Back. We cannot do that, okay? We it's have gonna to. undo it's everything. All the work we, we need to undo. We gotta it. fix this. I'm not even buying it. I don't even think that this. Dude, you are the one who set the rules. You're the one who yeah. said that we had to be all freaking careful. I did. We all followed them. And we kept each other accountable on every single one. You know I'm what? I'm not gonna go and play God with you David, guys. David, you know what? That is what we're doing. I'm gonna get Jesse, we're gonna come over He's tonight and we're it. gonna fix this. If you wanna vote on that, cause that'll make you feel better, then that's fine. But that's what we're doing. David, we get it, okay? None of us will remember Lollapalooza. Yeah. I did see this one, as I said, in the theater. Uh, I just remember mm -hmm. seeing the trailers and, you know, unlike a lot of people who probably looked at, at it and said, ooh, found footage, I was like, okay, it's a found <laughs> footage movie, Ew. but the stuff in it looks really cool. And I don't know, I do feel like I have kind of a soft spot for these, like, uh, you know, high school drama kind of films. Because mm -hmm. uh, there are a fair number of them that I could point out that, uh, you know, came out significantly after I was in high school. Oh, totally. And I still managed to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Same here. So, I mean, this one is essentially Kid and his sister. Uh, they're in high school. He is about to graduate, and he's very smart and wants to get into MIT. He gets in, but then uh, he only gets a $5,000 scholarship, and his family doesn't have a lot of money. So he needs to find a way to get more scratch to hopefully be able to make his dream of going to MIT come through. And uh, his father, who died 10, 15 years earlier, something like that, uh, was like a, a scientist or an inventor or something like that. And they, the sister and the brother and the brother's two friends discover something hidden in the basement, and it turns out to be the primary element for building a time machine and a bunch of schematics. And so they decide to set about building this thing. As you would. Yes. I mean... I couldn't have done it because I don't know how to do all the shit that they were doing, but these are like the smartest kids in the world, which I'm, you know, suspension of disbelief. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, uh, and then it kind of has a very similar progression to something like Chronicle where, you know, they discover the thing just like they discover the thing under the ground in Chronicle. Mm -hmm. Once it gets working, they mess around with it and have a lot of fun, just like them kind of discovering their powers in Chronicle. They use it to, like, get back at bullies at school and, like, you know, go back in time and get a better grade on a test that they failed or whatever. And they have, like, a set of ground rules, just like in Chronicle. They start out by saying, like, okay, we, we don't do this, we don't do that, we don't do this. And at some point, one of them breaks one of those rules and shit falls apart in a spectacular fashion. Absolutely. Uh, being your first time watch, I, I was a mm. fan of this when I first saw it. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
This is only my second time seeing it, but uh, definitely had fond memories of this one. Was a little concerned that the same thing would happen that happened with Chronicle, where I would realize, like, oh, it's not as good as I remember. But uh, I still enjoyed it a lot this time around. Mm-hmm. How did you feel it being a first-time watch? Millsy, I'll come around and say I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh. I mean, the sci-fi aspect, of course, you know I'm going to love. This one, it, it kind of felt at times like I even like forgot it was found footage because I think it was like done pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of times where they make make notice of the cameras around shore, and there's still a couple times where it's like, why is there a camera on right now? But we've already well established that just needs to happen in these movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all in all, it didn't like detract. I mean, we could go on for hours about the discussion if does any movie need to be found footage or not. <laughs> you know, I would say the same about this one, but regardless of that, I still enjoyed it. You know, I thought it was a compelling story. The bits of sci-fi that was there was like well handled. You know, it wasn't over. It wasn't like watching Primer. You know that uh, <laughs> time travel movie, but you know. where it's just so beyond the uh, like the thought power of the average viewer that. Totally. It just doesn't make any sense. I am Absolutely. a fan of that movie, but uh, Me too. I agree that but, yeah, it is I'd... pretty uh, heady and confusing. Without a doubt. I mean, I enjoy it. Once upon a time after that movie came out, I remember stumbling upon somebody online had made like a graph, like a chart mm-hmm. showing like all of the time travel in that movie and how it all worked. And Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought my eyes were going to melt trying to read the With... damn thing and understand it, but... I, I don't know if we have it in a trifecta. Um, I hope we do, because if we don't, we're going to. But yeah, I remember like having the same feeling about it too, like and, like being all about that movie and like wanting to connect the dots, but not being smart enough to really figure it out. Even after I read something, but yeah, still enjoying it. Yeah, still enjoyable, this, regardless. Yeah, this wasn't that level. I mean, they do a pretty good job with Project Almanac of like filling you into like how things work and the rules. And like, kind of like, you know, connecting some of the dots mm-hmm. of all these like different time jumps. And I enjoyed that. I mean, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. Something I like about this movie is, yes, like f- primarily it's like a high school comedy drama. It's like a group of friends, they discover this crazy thing and they exploit it for a while. And then it gets a little serious in the end. And there's like problems with the time stream and they try and go back and fix it. And the more they try and fix it, the more they fuck it up. And it's like, oh, how is this going to end? And. You know, even though it is about a bunch of like sometimes annoying high school students, mm-hmm. they don't dumb down like the sci fi and the time travel stuff too much. Mm-hmm. It's still pretty complicated and it's still pretty interesting. And I mean, there is a amount of suspension of disbelief that is required for any time travel story, but it does not feel lesser than because of the target audience, I guess is basically what I'm saying. And I like that about it. It it means yeah. that even though I'm not, you know, uh, 18 years old anymore, like I can still enjoy it because the actual premise and the, you know, technically bullshit science behind it is still compelling and interesting and doesn't feel dumbed down. Yeah, I agree completely. There's no like necessarily handholding with any of that stuff. Yeah. You've got your typical like, you know, high school romance and like. The mm-hmm. nerd and the prettiest girl in school or whatever, which you just seem to have to have in these kind of movies and yeah. stuff like that. But I don't know. I think it's uh, relatively charming. and Yeah. 
I mean, maybe I'm just a big softy. I'm perfectly okay with that stuff. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't mind seeing that. Yeah, and even you know, I like, you know, you you figure if this was a movie about a bunch of like thirty or forty year olds, I don't know what the actual, like the the thing that they would have like tried to catalyst. go back and change yeah. would have been. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been what it was in this, but considering that they are high school kids, and it's like the main character, he you know hasn't ever had like a lot of luck with girls and now he's got a chance with this one girl and he does like something stupid and messes it up mm-hmm. i like the fact that as you say the catalyst is him going back and trying to like fix the boneheaded move he makes like when he should have kissed right. the girl and he didn't yeah and, and then like, what... that causes the problems and that's why he like can't admit it to anybody else because he's embarrassed by it and i mm-hmm. think all that stuff mm-hmm. is like really yeah i don't know if smart's the right word but it works I think it certainly works, and I think like his buddy, like the the Costa of this movie that like just wants to be the popular kid, mm-hmm. you know, and he gets like his moment with the after they won the lottery, and you know, shows up with the food trucks and that mm-hmm. whole thing. Like that that works because it's high school kids, mm-hmm. and they sell it. You know what's you know? funny to me is like we're talking about a movie with like time travel and shit, but the most unbelievable thing about the film to me. Is mm-hmm. that so? They decide they need money to like continue their experiments and whatnot. So they decide to you know use time travel to win the lottery, and so they you know go into the future or whatever. They they go back in time with like the six winning lottery numbers, and they win the lottery and they expect to get like fifty million dollars or something. But then it turns out one of them had sloppy handwriting and they only got five of the six numbers, so they only win one point eight million. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Even though it's 1.8 million, they're all a little disappointed by it. And one of them even says right then and there, like, well, why don't we just go back and do it again? The most unbelievable thing about the entire film to me is that one of them says, I'm not winning the lottery twice. <laughs> and then they just stick with the 1.8 million. Like, that is the most unbelievable thing. Cause like, they can go back and like, they go back like yeah. five times to help that kid like ace his test, but they right. won't go back a second time to like, win the most amount of money they can like yeah i mean that's when like part that's when the script shows like this is only because it's the movie because it's the same with like them going back to help him like ace the the uh test Mm -hmm. where you know they go back and do it like four times where if they just went back once and he just let it play out like it did originally where waiting for the teacher to ask ask him those questions Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have had to keep going back you know but it's more like the movie. Being a movie is why they did it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's that, the that, lighthearted that comedy segment. Yeah, like that stood out to me of being like, if you if you just shut up for a second, really, and just you know answered the original question, it would have been fine. But that's not as com- compelling for a movie. So same thing. Yeah, you know, with the the lottery, it's just like you know, time travel. Okay, cool, I buy it. Um, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that they settled when they didn't have to, they have all the power in the world. They have like the power of a God to go back and do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. settle for 1.8 million. But it yeah, is hilarious no when like they're taking a picture of the group holding like the giant check and they all look mm-hmm. miserable as they're holding yeah. a check for yeah. $1.8 million. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. I like that stuff. Yeah, no, that was good. Yeah. I think the characters in the movie are likable. Yeah. Even like you just referred to the one kid as the Costa of this film. And I would agree because he's like the kind of loud mouthed mm-hmm. character in this film who would be comparable to Costa. But he is Costa's cranked up to like 32. Oh, big time. And this oh, kid is time. more realistic. Like I liked 
all of them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if anything, I feel like the sister gets shortchanged because she's like she is a character in the movie, but she's not because she is like anchored with the camera most of the time. Mm-hmm. So she gets like a couple moments to shine, but like not a whole lot. No, she gets like a little bit. They don't get in too much like a burgeoning relationship with the other friend, but yeah, they really it's like just insinuated. Yeah. But then yeah. like her really the only thing that really happens with her is like when when they now have time travel it's okay okay one of them is failing so they want to go back and you know help him get better grades. One of them needs money and so they go back and rig the lottery and then she is shouldered with I'm being bullied at school so let's have one scene where I get like one up on the bully. And then it's yeah. like okay my plot's done let's move on. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. She definitely got the short change. That's a good point. Yeah. But, you know, again, that's back. If it, if it wasn't, you know, uh, found footage, would that have been different? Who knows? I mean, if it wasn't found footage, would her character even need to be in the movie? Because her only real right. purpose was to hold a camera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. But. I liked the um, the use of that time travel, the whole, like, swirling, like, uh, locations, you know, and the dirt and dust and all Things that. Things floating getting, like, and swirling. spinning. And- yeah. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. That was like a yeah. I like the visualization in the movie. It's like you know, you never get like the best look at the time travel machine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like if I had to draw the time travel device from Back to the Future, like it's a pretty yeah. recognizable car. I could probably do sure. it based on memory. I mean, I've also seen that movie a, a ton of mm-hmm. times, but this time travel device, it's like purposefully a little bit obtuse and. Like, I know that at the center of the whole thing, there's that, like, clear box with, like, a disc inside, but all the other shit, it's, like, it feels realistic uh, just because of how vague and complicated it is. Mm -hmm. The little rules and, like, even, I don't know, just somewhat modern, almost... uh, just like millennial feeling stuff like okay we're gonna control it with our cell phones so they they like design an app on their cell phones (laughs) to like control the time travel dates and everything like Mm -hmm. in the delorean you had the little panel where like the cd player would be in a car but in this they had like a little like it almost looked like a a combination lock on their phone that they would spin and like that's the date now we go back in time Mm mm-hmm um it's like a lo-fi like way of doing it that's good for the camera yeah you you don't have to definitely so and you know there there as i mentioned way earlier in the show like uh, a suspension of disbelief for why they would be filming so much in this like i kind of get it because if they a they're documenting this like crazy thing that they're doing and b if they record everything they even say at one point then uh if something goes wrong we'll be able to watch back and see how we can go fix it like that is all I needed mm-hmm. as a reason to believe that they would have like GoPros on them constantly. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they designed the thing to go in a backpack. So it just, you know, it goes with like the cell phone oh, yeah. thing, yeah, kind of like, like you said. Mm-hmm. I like little elements that, you know, God knows why they need hydrogen. I couldn't tell you, but it's like, it's kind of like how in Back to the Future they need plutonium. And it's like, oh, yeah. It's hard for me to get plutonium, even as a scientist, mm-hmm. because it's like highly dangerous and illegal. And this is right. like the toned down version. Like you can get hydrogen, but it's not easy for like a high school right. student. So it's right. like it's dangerous it's like, to go steal it from the school or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like tut- a touch of a MacGuffin, you know, Yeah, just to keep the plot going. But yeah, it works. I just like how everything is like 
toned down and mildly believable for high school students to be able to do the things that they're doing. Yeah. It's like, I mean, they couldn't, yeah, they're not like, it doesn't have to be the super genius that builds it from scratch, but can follow directions of a thing they found in the basement. Sure. Yeah. And I liked the fact that they had to build it with instructions over like, oh, they just found a completely functional and already built time machine in the basement. Mm -hmm. Totally. The least believable thing from a technological aspect is probably that they found that video camera in the attic that had been up there for 12 years and the battery was still good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But pick those nits, Millsy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like something I noticed, but I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. This one, it's... uh... It's a it's pretty exciting at, at times, yeah. and I really love the sequence like where they go back in time to uh, was it what was the like concert they went to? Was it Lollapalooza? Yeah, I think it was yeah, Lollapalooza. Lala. Like, uh, just I don't know, seeing what characters like that who are you know just surface level kids who want to have fun, what they would do with time travel. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. Just the same way, like what would small town kids do if they had telekinesis they'd go to the right. store and they would like scare a little girl by making a teddy bear move on mm. its own like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and you could totally see like a dumb boy like chancing everything just to get it right with the girl of his dreams mm-hmm. which is the catalyst for everything getting out of control and it, they do a good job of like because every time he messed up and he found he figured out that he messed up and he has to fix it again like you feel like that anxiety too like oh god damn how am i gonna fix this mm-hmm. you know and he's like gone back in time so many times that he's like trying to fix a problem from three jumps ago that uh-huh. isn't even a problem in this timeline. Like the one friend uh, gets hurt in an accident and he like goes back in time to try and fix it, but then screws up something else. So he goes back in time again. And then he mentions to one of the characters in this new timeline who has no idea that he's from a different timeline. Like I got to stop whatever, whoever from having an accident. And they're like, what are you talking about? He, He's perfectly right. fine. And then the main character says something along the lines of like, I don't even know what problems I'm trying to fix anymore. Like, yeah, you could, you could, you could see that getting out of control and the way it pays off in the end. Like this is the only answer because he screwed it up so bad. Mm-hmm. Besides like time cop blinking his girlfriend out of existence. Yeah. He has messed up the timeline so bad that mm-hmm. yeah, you got to go back. Yeah. Got to go back, Millsy. I I like it. It's like, it is... A high school version. I mean, the movie is produced by MTV Films. It's an MTV version of a time travel story. But, uh, you know, as long as you can handle the, you know, the high school drama stuff Mm -hmm. in it. I don't know. I think it's a really good, exciting thriller. I honestly do. do. It's another one. I think all these movies are really short. This is another one that's maybe an hour and a half long. Um, I think this one... It's like an hour 40 or something. Yeah, but I mean, it, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, still short. I'm just saying it's not. I think the shortest was Chronicle. Um, Chronicle, like an hour and a half or 85 minutes or something. Yeah. Doesn't overstay its welcome. It, you know, no, it moves. No. And, you know, like I say, I had seen it before, but I didn't remember exactly where it went. It keeps you guessing. And mm-hmm. I do like the kind of lo fi nature of the special effects. And, you know, it, it's like a lot of gusting air. And then you have like, objects kind of spinning around but there's no like crazy electrical light show or anything i dig all yeah. that stuff i'm i'm with you completely yeah 
Yeah. For something that was like not on my radar at all for my own like self-inflicted silly reasoning. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was, I was a enjoyable experience in the end for sure. Yeah. It's just a shame that like, you know, uh, project X, you know, was, a uh, like a big kind of phenomenon at the time, I guess for a certain audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, made over a hundred million, uh, Chronicle also kind of, I think took people by surprise with what it was and how decent it was and made over a hundred million. This one was actually filmed, I think in like 2013, but for some reason didn't come out until 2015. And it feels like it missed that resurgence and boom of found footage because all three of the films we're discussing on this episode had happened to have a budget of $12 million. Oh, no way. Yeah, this one only made 33.2. It feels like by this point, people saw like, oh, it's found footage, and were like, oh, I've I've been sick of that since Chronicle or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Like somebody. I can contest to that. Yes, sir. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah. Similar to Chronicle, this was on the blacklist in 2012, uh, along with other such films that year as Arrival, Hell or High Water. Jojo Rabbit, mm. Run All Night, which we just reviewed a little yeah. while back, and uh, Whiplash with Miles Teller. Nice. That's a good, that's a solid list right there. Yeah, I mean, I only picked out the ones that were like noteworthy. There's plenty of other movies that are like, oh yeah, oh, that sure, one. Sure. But, <laughs> oh, of course. But no, but <laughs> you can go and look for... at the whole list on uh, Wikipedia for every year that they've done it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just going along with the fact that this movie seemed to make almost no waves. I couldn't find a lot of trivia about this one. The only thing I kept reading everywhere is that uh, there's a plane crash scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like one of the times they go yep. back, uh, they accidentally mess something up and then a plane crashes. And they watch like three seconds of footage of it on a computer screen. And the footage that's actually in the movie is uh, reused footage from, I think, the movie Flight with Denzel Washington with like some extra effects okay. put on top of it. But that was just a replacement because the original footage, uh, the people who edited the movie used an actual like footage from an actual plane crash. And uh, when people realized that they were not happy, so they had to take that out of the film. Oh. And uh, Michael Bay, who produced the film, had to come out and make like a formal apology about it. Oh, wow. I don't know if these are actually direct references to Back to the Future, but there are quite a few things that feel like they're paying homage to Back to the Future. Oh, in this there was film. Um, one of them's got to be the uh, the jumper cables, right? Yep, that's yeah. One. I immediately thought of that for sure. Yeah, yeah. At the end of Back to the Future, when uh, Doc's trying to send Marty back to the future, and uh, that like tree limb falls on the cables, and they're like he just can't get them to connect. Uh, they have a moment like that with jumper cables early in this movie, which jumped. I don't know if it jumped out to me the first time I saw it, but this time definitely did. Uh, this one seems pretty obvious, but it didn't occur to me that um, in Back to the Future, when Doc is showing Marty his plan for how they're going to send him to the future, uh, and he's made that little display and he has like a little red remote control car. Their first test in this movie is a small red toy car. Mm, that they then nice. accidentally fuse into the wall, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had forgotten about that, but when they realized that the car was there the entire time and they just didn't notice it because it had gone back in time two hours earlier and been stuck up in the mm. wall where no one would look, <laughs> right. that was a cool moment. Yeah. That's a little, uh, what's that, the Philadelphia Project or whatever? Mm, yeah. 
Definitely. You know? That was cool. The stopwatches used to measure the time displacement. I mean, that's a little bit more generic, but that's what they do in Back to the Future. He puts the stopwatch mm. on Einstein and sends him back, you know? Right. And right. they're con- yep. like, it feels like in this day and age, and, or in 2012 when they made the movie, they'd probably be using like a stopwatch app on their phone instead of literal stopwatches, but whatever. Yeah. And the final thing is, I'm surprised this didn't occur to me before the title of the movie is a reference to the sports almanac from Back to the Future 2. Oh, oh. Project Almanac. Jeez. God. It's like right in front of our faces. <laughs> I know. And we just reviewed uh, that not too long ago as well, Back to the Future 2. I know. <laughs> man. So, so many connections. I know, man. Well, that's what happens when, gosh, we're over 100 movies now we've yeah. reviewed. Like, What does Miles Teller have to do with this one? Anything? Oh, that's, you know, <laughs> not that I saw, but it's a shame because oh, that would have been an interesting damn. coincidence. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Have we really reviewed? Have we watched over a hundred movies? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What's this? this? Oh wow! Look at that. Look at us, Mills. <laughs> Prolific. We do three movies an episode. So once we hit episode thirty, that would have been uh, ninety movies. Mm-hmm. So by wow. what episode? Like thirty-three or thirty-four? We hit a hundred. Thirty-four would have been one hundred two. Just unceremoniously that. passed by it and didn't mention yeah. it until now. <laughs> We're just working, Millsy. We're out here grinding through these movies. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to keep straight what we're watching for each episode. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Main character in this movie has been in a couple of other things I've seen, including John Dies at the End, Taken 3, and a couple of the... Oh, there's your connection, I guess. Uh, Miles Teller is in those uh, Divergent movies, and the main character in this, Johnny Weston, is the actor's name, was in... The last two divergent films with him. Mm. That's uh, as close as we're going to right. get. I, I, okay, well, I'll take it at this point. And uh, of note, the uh, sister character, uh, her name's Christine in the movie. Her name in real life is Virginia Gardner. Did you ever watch the Runaways TV show on Hulu based on the comic no. by Brian K. Vaughn? No, sir. Have you ever read the comic? Yes. Uh, she plays Carolina, the um, the blonde the youngin? No, no, no. That's Molly. Oh, okay. She's like the blonde. I forget. She like turns all sparkly and can fly. I forget what her deal is exactly. Uh, but I don't remember that one, but yes, I have read it. Okay. Well, she plays Carolina Dean in the Runaway Show. I guess did because I think it got canceled after like two seasons or something. But mm. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Um, and the director of this movie, Dean Israelite, has gone on to direct that recent live action Power Rangers movie, which I... Oh. Avoided like the plague. <laughs> that's a that's an upgrade, Millsy. And speaking of paranormal activity, oh. the writers of this film wrote Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension. Come on, which I didn't see. I stopped at the third one. <laughs> <laughs> the Ghost Dimension. How far are these movies go, Millsy? Hollywood just. <laughs> I know from that li- from that little bit of an idea ends up with part six: The Ghost Dimension. <laughs> And I did forget I wanted to mention about uh, Project X. Uh, That movie had two writers. One of them is named Matt Drake, and he wrote a movie that I actually quite liked called Charlie Countryman, starring Shia LaBeouf, Mm -hmm. that I would recommend. The other writer of the movie is a guy named Michael Bacall, who, while writing Project X, was also simultaneously writing 21 Jump Street and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. See, Millsy, this is what I'm saying. Two writers... Two levels of crazy. One guy was like, I just want a big, big party. The other guy's like, we need flamethrowers. 
and they that's how that played out. I'm gonna call it. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's uh all right. that's all I got for Project Almanac. I they think it's a very good it. movie worthy of people's time, but for whatever reason just gets completely overlooked. Slow slow clap, take a bow, friend. Yeah. Found footage. <laughs> let's talk these posters, Melcy. All right, let's do it. Chronicle. Mm-hmm. Uh I like it in as much as it's not your typical movie poster. I'll give you that. I it is not your typical movie poster. Don't like it in as much as it's not a great poster. <laughs> yes. It, it's clear. I mean, you know like what they're going for here. Mm-hmm. They did it in like one of the least exciting ways possible. Yeah. You know. It's supposed to be almost like uh like a photo that somebody took and then they were like, "Oh, what is that? That looks like a person flying yeah. up there in the sky." But it's just like it's like the movie's effects. This just feels like overly photoshopped and, mm-hmm. you know, it's got the, the angle for no reason. It's drab. It's just, you know. Yeah, it looks like it's actually black and white. It looks very similar to the Blu-ray cover, but I'm pretty sure that has like some color to it. And the title's blue mm. instead of being all gray. Yeah. But yeah, essentially this poster is just like a far away shot of a city skyline with a cloudy sky. And then up in the corner, it's like there's a couple of people flying. Mm-hmm. And for some it's reason, just... they opted to make the title small right mm-hmm. on top of the people and like dropped the opacity to 50%. So like you can hardly even see it. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just just I wonder if their thought was like if people are walking by that in the movie theater and they glance at it, they'll be curious to know what it is and have to actually walk over and inspect it to see what it is because the title's so hard to find. But... I mean, I would say it's absolutely why the figure's over the title because <laughs> they don't want you to miss either, either of those things, so they put them on top of each other. Mm-hmm. What would it have hurt, though, to just make the title, like, full width of the image and, like, in the center of the sky? Like, Yeah, it would have been way better. Yeah. Like, if, if Chronicle went from all the way from left to right in the middle of this image, and then just above it you saw, like, these three figures, mm-hmm. is immediately better than this. Yeah, I have to agree. But So not too inspiring, that one. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, then we have Project X, which, I mean, it's sort of indicative of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. I mean, you know, Red Solo Cups, you know what you're getting into. Guy passed you can out. Barely tell lawn. what it says bus above the hangover, but you're like, all right, I guess I know what I expect. Yeah, one bit. I mean, I like it because it's not like overly photoshopped. Mm-hmm. Project X is just stark white, clean font. It looks like know? it's taken from a camera with a flash, so it looks kind yeah. of amateurish. And yeah, I mean, even like the camera, even in the the throughout the movie, kind of feels like this with the the lighting mm-hmm. like that. And yeah, I. I I like this. This works. Uh, what does it do for you that the movie's called Project X and he's laying in an X pose? Oh, man. The levels, Mills. I just can't take it. <laughs> I don't know if that was intended. I imagine it must yeah, have been, but... Probably. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd look at this poster and, like, not knowing what the movie is and be like, oh, I wonder what that is. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's definitely more same, interesting same. than the Chronicle poster. I mean, I would see that, and I'd be like, I know, I, I feel like I know exactly what that movie is. Yeah, honestly, I would probably look at this poster and think, like, hmm, that doesn't look like it's for me. But 
Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure what poster they could have done because I mean the the movie is just like about a wild party. Like, yeah. Uh, what could you do? Like, mm-hmm. have the guy on the with the flamethrower, but then like that would I feel like give you <laughs> wrong expectations of the film, right. just like the title yeah. and trailer had done for me. But exactly, I'd be expecting you know circus animals and uh, <laughs> more destruction. Yeah, if there was a pile of giraffe dung next to him right here. Right. Could have used it. Yep. Uh, and then right. Project Almanac, we have another weird canted angle. I mean, extremely canted. I'm going to come out and say it, Mills. I don't like the Chronicle poster. I hate this one. <laughs> Project Almanac poster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... for as good as a movie is, like, this This is just does not work for me. Because it's, you know, the Photoshop is extreme there's a there's a skyline in the background i'm not sure for what reason yeah you know if you turn these guys if you guys just turn this back to a normal horizontal angle and had them like standing in the middle in this circle with the the wind wisping around Mm -hmm. with the title like how is that not more effective than just like throwing in the the angle with the skyline for some reason? I just think the premise behind this one is bad. Like yes, in the movie when they time travel, they typically like stand in a circle because they have to be within the radius yeah. of the uh-huh. time travel effect. But like if you don't know what this movie is and you look at this poster, it's like a group of people who are indistinguishable from one another with a glowing light between them and like some weird effect going on around them. It tells you nothing. Mm-hmm. You have no idea it's about time travel. Maybe you'd get it from the name project almanac. Maybe if you read the quote up top about today is better the second time around, that's probably your best indicator, but it's like this movie doesn't have like a drab gray tone to it. Mm, that's a good point. It, too. it makes it look like it takes place in a dystopian future or something like I look at this poster and think, oh, this is part of that divergent franchise I was talking about. Yeah, it just it does not feel like it takes place with modern high school kids in a modern day world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't get the vibe of the movie from this poster at all. Right. There's so many just like other cooler things you could do for a Project Almanac poster. Mm-hmm. You could have like a shot, like a mid shot of just like any of the characters say like from like the chest down from like the between the chest and the knees and he's like holding the bag with like you know you got like parts of the time machine you can see through it maybe they're holding those keys that the the girlfriend's keys or something like Mm -hmm. different like interesting elements rather than just like this i'm thinking if it were me like drab crap maybe this is like a generic concept but just off the top of my head i think i would do it like uh you're looking down the hallway of like, like the busy hallway of a high school, like in between classes and there's like students everywhere. And you're seeing like the back of the main character and like his backpack is partially unzipped with like a weird sci-fi machine that you can see in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you get the impression yeah. it's high school it's like kids. He's like got I'm some saying, yeah. kind of sci-fi device. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, that's a good point. Both those 10 second ideas better. Yeah. All right, Millsy, break it down for the people. Oh, gosh. I mean, this is one of the harder ones just because I'm not over the moon about any of these. I guess just because it is so kind of indicative of the film, I would give Project X three solo cups. Mm. Uh, Okay. Well, this doesn't bode well for the other two. Yeah, Chronicle, I I agree with you that uh, Project Almanac is the worst. 
that's going to get like one Barbie doll half fused through the wall. And <laughs> Chronicle, I guess, gets two detached spider legs. Take a bow, friend. <laughs> I love it. I agree completely. Well done. I don't know. I'd even, I'd almost say like Chronicle and Project Almanac both get one. And Project X is like, I don't hate that. A three on a good day. <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you. None of them well setting done. the world on fire. Can, I concur, Doctor. Oh. There you have it. Here we have it. Millsy, you know what time it is. Oh, I do, and I can't wait. Do you want to go first? You want me to go first? You want to go first? You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. You you you're gonna go first? Okay. Yeah. Buy it, borrow it, and burn it. I'm gonna go off script here a bit. Okay. So, Project X. It's an enjoyable time. Got some cringe. Got some laughs. For me, it's simultaneously too crazy and not crazy enough. <laughs> so I have issue with that. That's going to be my borrow. Mm. I could see myself watching that again. Then you have, should be no surprise at this point, going to buy Project Almanac. Mm -hmm. I would definitely watch that again. And it it could be a fun one to watch once you've seen the outcome. And you can like kind of do some connecting of the dots yourself. Mm -hmm. And I have no reason to ever watch Chronicle again. Wow. Chronicle does nothing. Chronicle does nothing for me as a movie, I think. So the only one that you have watched twice, the one you would rather not watch ever again. <laughs> Correct. So the the most like buttery essence of this thing of ours of buy, borrow, and burn, mm-hmm. it's pretty cut and dry. Like I would definitely buy Project Almanac. I would borrow your copy of Project X to watch again. <laughs> and I would just burn Chronicle. Two is two is two times too many. Wow. Tough, tough love. I don't own a Project X copy for you to borrow, unfortunately. Uh, Not yet until a Fancy Pants Blu-ray comes out. (laughs) I don't know if that's something you're going to see like Shout Factory or Severin put out, but we'll see. But if they did. That would be something. Mm -hmm. For me, I am also going to buy Project Almanac. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a good time with it the first time I saw it, and I still really enjoyed it this time. Uh, I haven't gone on the emotional roller coaster ride with that one that I have with Chronicles, so that's good. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually almost did buy this uh, within like the last six months. Oh, I was at a store called Second and Charles, and every now and then they'll do a uh, all their used DVDs and Blu-rays, uh, buy one get one free. Mm-hmm. And so I was buying like ten movies and getting ten more for free. So I was going to walk out of there with twenty movies, and I had like. 23 of them i love it and i was like oh well which ones am i gonna leave behind and project almanac just barely didn't make the cut but i'd go back for it for sure okay okay i have indeed as i mentioned bought a copy of chronicle and uh you know had i not rewatched it for the show like i was Mm. briefly considering not doing okay uh i think it probably would have been my burn but Having the little, uh, you know, wow. reclamation underdog story that I did and enjoying it more this time around my third watch, uh, I think that's going to be my borrow. And Project X, 
<laughs> it's you know it's it's a fine movie uh as i talked about like you know it you know brought out some emotions in me and there were like funny parts but i -hmm. feel like the simple fact that that's just a movie about some people throwing a party however crazy you do or don't believe it to be (laughs) it's Uh just like a, a comedy about like a bunch of hooligans yeah jerko kids throwing a crazy party whereas i mean i think i just find you know, people getting telekinetic powers or, you know, building time machines in their basement more interesting and fulfilling. And if nothing else, like, I at least like Dane DeHaan and um, Michael B. Jordan a lot in Chronicle and in general. And, like, mm. the kids in Project X are good, but, you know. Yeah, they're not up to the caliber of those two you mentioned. Yeah. I'll back you on that. If... As I had originally thought, based on the title and the flamethrower in the trailer, there was some kind of weird sci-fi twist in Project X. Maybe there would be a different story here, but mm, I'm going to uh, well. buy Project Almanac, borrow Project Chronicle, and burn Project X. <laughs> Project Chronicle, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Maybe someday, Millsy, we'll find the pocket universe where the Project X movie is vastly different based on your initial thoughts than what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, I'd be very curious. Maybe that version would have a giraffe. I don't know. <laughs> my, my version would. So. Oh, right. All right, Millsy. Uh, we have 223 potential themes. Random number, Jenny. Two, two, three. There we go. Millsy. Yeah. 83. Mm, 83. Number 83. Going early-ish. Here we go. Looking. It's going to be... Okay. Everything's uh, a remix. Off off uh, speaker. I'll make sure you remind me what this one is. <laughs> Come on, man. Keep it together. <laughs> uh, I, just, I play, I play. I recall. <laughs> Do you? I do. Were you joking before or are you joking now? Uh, before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so get your guesses in as to what everything's a remix could possibly mean. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, doors wide open on this one. Some of our titles yeah. are pretty obvious. This one, yeah, this one, I mean, I don't think anybody could actually pick the three movies, but maybe they could get close to picking what the theme itself is, but mm. uh, I don't know. Prove us wrong. Dear listener, mm-hmm. we shall see. Millsy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, every once in a while, we'll just like you know, clock in a long one. <laughs> Who would have thought? You know? Yeah, not me. <laughs> the found footage movies would be the one. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, let it go down in history that our second biggest debate slash argument after the true meaning of the movie AI is whether the party in project X was big enough. (laughs) Yes. Uh. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Hey, for triple threat theater, I'm Joe Daxberger and I'm Ryan Miller. Thanks for watching. That was one of the finest movies I've ever seen. They ought to make them all like that. None of this nonsense about social matters. People don't go to the movies to see how miserable the world is. They go there to eat popcorn and be happy. Be happy, 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 happy.